Listen to this podcast right now. Do you want to hear a fucking podcast about anything and everything? Yeah. Like movies, oh my music, God. television, and more? Oh my God. Well, you've come to the right place. Yes. Subscribe to Journey into Comics Network, and you get Podcastrophe, oh hosted God. by me, yes. Dick. Why not throw a couple bucks to the Patreon? It's your yes. choice. Yeah. This is a Podcastrophe. That sounds so awesome. The following, following. The following. Is a journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. To a nicer guy, it couldn't happen. I am the man of the hour. The man with the power. Diamonds are forever. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. And what you gonna do, Andre? History beckons the macho man. Yeah. The best there is. The best there was. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Two words for ya! Two words! And you're so mad! The champ is here! Do I have everybody's attention now? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the greatest wrestling podcast on earth. This might not be the worst town you've ever been in, but I am your host, Nate. Journey into Wrestling, Season 4, Episode 2. Today joining me, welcome back once again. This is the best co-host I've ever had. Huh? like that. Oh. Welcome back, Buckles. I, I don't want to step on Tyler's toes, man. I, I've heard, I've heard I how was, you lead him I was strictly GIC. talking wrestling, but That's okay. Fair. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, uh... Tyler is in the league of his own. He's almost like a celestial. He doesn't go up against anyone else because he That's has a fair. different ability. That's you know, fair. You could, you could literally plug Tyler into any show in the face of existence, and he will succeed. It's the weirdest right. thing. So he's the uh, he's the old school freelancer that uh, can just come in and mainline a card whenever he needs to. Gotcha. Yes, exactly, exactly. He is. Minute. Are we going to compare Rey Mysterio Tyler to before he officially committed to the WWE? I was going to call him Goldberg now. <laughs> oh shit! Okay, yeah. Go. Well, I mean, we'll see what Goldberg does. I don't know if he'll keep his nose out of this new era, but uh, who knows? Since the last time you and I spoke, so fucking much has happened right. in the wrestling world, dude. I don't even know where to begin. I mean. Last week was arguably the most, like, I don't want really to say important week, but most, like, influential week in mainly uh, mainstream professional wrestling in years. Uh, I know More WWE than a is decade, referred yeah. to as, like, Premier Week, but Premier my ass. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know what is happening with the WWE. It's funny because they keep saying AEW is not competition, and if they keep the kind of consistent basis WWE has had up, they're not going to be competition. AEW is going right. to blow them out of the fucking water. I got to say, the most interesting thing I've heard, uh, do you listen to uh, Brian Alvarez at all? Sometimes. Uh, I haven't in the more recent weeks, but uh, sometimes I check that out, yeah. He ran a podcast of Sunday morning, uh, or Sunday prior to... Uh, prior to Hell in a Cell, and okay. went on this, like, 10-minute rant about the what he called the arrogance of WWE and, like, why WWE treats its fans the way they do and just, like, how they still to this day treat them like marks and just does not give a shit about what fans want. And that was prior to Hell in a Cell. 
Definitely oh, worth man. a check out. It's like a, uh, I know he's got it up on YouTube. I think that we should just go ahead and talk about the elephant or the cell in the room. Uh, um, what the fuck was that main event, bro? I okay, cards on the table. I can see what they were trying to do. And I can understand why they thought it might work like on paper, but the reality of the situation is there is nothing good that was going to come of any of that. You have, I, I, I think the angle they wanted to go no. with was, was like Wyatt as a, I don't know, Jason type slasher villain. You can't kill the monster kind of thing, but God, that was awful. Just straight up awful. <laughs> yeah, it it was very bizarre. And 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 let me let me preface this for you because this is this is my like watching experience. I got to Hell in a Cell late Saturday. Right. I mean, the event was over before I even started it. You had texted me like, "So did you watch it?" You know, and That's, I'm just I like, was waiting for your reaction no, to yet. that match. I'm not there. <laughs> and I got home and I put it on. Yeah, for sure. And uh I you know, I got home and I put it on and the you know, the first match uh Becky versus Sasha was very good. Yeah. I mean, it was a very very solid performance between those two. Innovative in a lot of ways. The mm-hmm. kendo stick chair bit was cool as fuck with so, that leg drop that Becky fucking nearly killed her own damn self. Did you see uh Sasha apparently injured her back somewhere in that match as well? I mean, it's no surprise. There were many different bumps that I was like, ooh, right. that wasn't right. Ooh, you didn't land right. that so good. No, I know. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Like, okay, I'm- so so let me let me get back to it. I lost my thought, and then I just, I just remember where I was at. So I was watching all of this unfold on, uh, on the show, and I dozed, man. I didn't mean to, but it was like, I don't know. I think it was the Orton-Ali match I mm-hmm. fucking crashed down on. And I woke up just in time to hear, burn it down. <laughs> and I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to get to the fucking main event. And this is the main event that you know Buckles told me. It's going to be talked about for a long, long time. I did not understand what you meant by that. <laughs> now I know what you meant by that. And I don't know what the fuck I witnessed. Uh, like, okay. Okay, so first of all, let me let me also preface one, one, one last thing. Sure. Let's preface this before we get deep. The cell was red for the whole night. Right. That's all I have to preface with. Go ahead. <laughs> Actually, the, the cell itself being red, I didn't, it didn't really bother me so much. The red lighting, I actually kind of liked. It made Wyatt's mask look really dope, and it actually reminded me of uh, almost like again the slasher villain thing, the uh, Freddy Krueger boiler room. No, you, like I appreciate where they're coming from and what they were trying to accomplish with right. the look, the aesthetic look of that match makes sense, especially right. with what they've been doing with the fiend. Absolutely, my issue, you know, my issue with this though that really just grinds my gears. Is this like, I feel like Vince was in the back. Let me do my best Vince McMahon, damn it. (laughs) Gotta do my best Vince, damn it. 
So, here's the finish. It's going to be some good shit. What you're going to do? We're going to bury the finisher of Rollins. We're going to bury the fiend. And they're going to fucking love it. Uh, and that's what they did. He yes. buried the fiend and buried Rollins' finisher, that curb stomp, in one fell swoop, mm-hmm. while also making a legitimate mockery of the entire history of Hell in a Cell. Right. Yeah. No. No DQ. Which they didn't. They didn't even call the DQ a DQ, or they didn't call a ref stoppage. They just ended the match. Didn't give any kind of reason for anything. They just ended the match. After the ref just suddenly grows a conscience and says, don't hit him with a hammer. And fans are booing. Oh, God. Which, uh, let's look back to that one time that I'm pretty sure Triple H put the hammer directly on Undertaker's skull and smashed yep. it. Just saying. Uh, I, I, or didn't that happen to Vince McMahon as well? I have to think so. Honestly, the, the dumbest thing about the hammer to me is... Halfway through the match, Wyatt goes under the ring and brings out the giant Harley Quinn mallet, right? And hits Rollins with it and yeah. you know, pins him up against the cage and everything. Referee's cool with it, right? Go and get the sledgehammer, which is 100%. a third of the size of this giant mallet. Suddenly the game, oh, no, it, you can't do that. That's terrible. Big hammer, fine. Little hammer, ah, sure, why not? Sledgehammer, you know, middle range. Oh, God, no. Just the dumbest well, shit. And then to make matters worse, dude, to make matters even worse, you get this weird, bizarre, like you said, not really ref stoppage stoppage thing. Mm-hmm. And then why it comes to after the fact to fucking destroy Ugh. Rollins? Like, just fucking anoint Bray Wyatt, the goddamn universal champion, and right. let's move on. Well, you, you, have, you have two choices. If you have the Wyatt character, is that over? And he was. It still is, really. Uh, you have this match. You book yourself into the corner of putting him in, in the title match. Didn't have to. You chose to. You could have easily had him fought Wyatt or uh, fought uh, Strowman. Just non-title. Hell, you could have him fight Seth Rollins without the title on the line at all. You could have him walk out without the belt or just, just completely disregard Winning the title, he just wanted to hurt Rollins. But if you are going to have him actually in a title match, you're going to either have him lose and lose all his credibility, or you have him win and you have nothing for him. Your creative has nothing to do. So I get why they go to a DQ finish because it protects, it supposedly protects both of them, but they go about it in such an ass backwards way that it doesn't matter. They, it just simply doesn't matter that doesn't. Oh. And the, again, they didn't have to book the match in the first place. If you're not going to have anything for him with the title, you don't want to take the belt off of Rollins, then don't put him in the damn match. Don't book that. Ugh. And then to top it all off, they go with the, well, uh, I'm not going to lie. There was a part of me that thought ugh. this, this kind of, no, go ahead. I was going to say, they, they top it all off with the uh, Ultimate Warrior Papa Shango terrible, like, fake blood coming out of the mouth on Rollins thing, too. It looks cheesy as hell. Oh, my just God. The, After the just Sister the, Abigail onto the uh, cement. Yeah. I just don't understand it. It does not make sense to me. 
when you have this plan and you know you said it best they didn't have to put themselves in this corner and i really liked the concept they were kind of teasing that he was almost like this modern day legend killer he was going after all these right. people and just like laying waste you know and then they almost like just said fuck it we're abandoning that it doesn't matter that he's taken out mcfoley and kurt angle and all these other people like we're just going to focus on him winning the title and you got people like rock hard oh, for the yeah. concept of Bray Wyatt the Fiend as universal champion. Definitely. His color scheme matches the belt. Like, there's so many cool things you can Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Hell, they even had him doing the media tours before. And they were just like, you know, yes. And those were bizarre, to say the least. Those were wonderful. You sent me that one of him on, like, uh... I don't know what it was. It was fucking KTLA or something. And he was really bizarre. Yowie, wowie. Oh. I'm just like, wow, you have lost it in the best way. His character's so over. And they just shit the bed, man. They really did. They just said, you know what? Here's what we want to do. But I don't think we're going to be able to do it. Right. They got they get all the way up to the edge and of the uh, cliff I and think, just chickened out. You know, and they they definitely did chicken out, deciding to not put the belt on Bray. He's so lightning hot right now. There's so many clever things you could do. It would be really interesting to see the fiend be the champion, but Bray have no ownership to the title. You know, like you only see the belt when it's the fiend, but when Bray is on the Firefly Funhouse, it's just Bray being dorky, weird, Mister Rogers Bray. You know. Um, but I, I, I just don't understand. And, you know, Vince laughed apparently backstage. (laughs) Yeah. And apparently the rest of the backstage was not happy about the whole thing either. Well, it doesn't make any goddamn sense that you put that on last. You had overall a pretty mediocre card. Sure. Charlotte won her 10th title. That's cool. And everything, you know, uh, Braun beat the shit out of AJ Styles. I mean, that's cool. What, right. what not? But uh, the Kabuki Warriors winning the the women's tag titles is pretty cool, though. That's a cool thing to see. They're they're actually that's a really good decision. I'm not a hundred percent sold on turning them heel, but I'll take it if that means well, we actually get a decent team. Maybe this but, is a cause yeah. for them to go partner up with Io Shirai. I would love to see it, honestly. Um, one of the one of the better, like, kind of cool, like digging deep matches a couple years ago on Lucha Underground. They had a Pentagon Junior versus uh, almost a gauntlet match with three women. Uh, two of those were uh, Kyrie Sane and Io Shirai. And ended up being a hell of a match, like a one-hour-long match. And the two of them tag really, really well. Shit. But oh, yeah. I agree. I agree. I, I think that they make a great tag. I kind of, I do dig the. Uh, I always pop for the green mist. I, I'm not gonna lie, I do pop for the green mist, so I can't say I dislike that. And you know, I'm down to see. Kyrie saying drop the pirate gimmick a little bit and just be a heel. We know Oscar can do it. Uh, 
Say, come again with that? I'm sorry. We're having a little bit of connection issues right now, folks. So yep. We're just trying to wade through these waters. I was just going to say that uh, I'm kind of down to see Kyrie drop the uh, pirate gimmick a little bit and go straight heel. We know Asuka can do it. I'm always going to pop for the green mist, so I can't really say anything bad about that. Totally. <clears throat> uh, it is an interesting time, and I'm uh, good to see the belts do something for them. Like. Right. The women's tag division. I don't know. It's weird. I felt really invested in that those tag titles when the Iconics had them for a time. And then after that, it's just, I don't know. I don't know that they've done the tag division right. Well, it kind of stands to the belief that Vince never wanted to do that in the first place and just kind of gave them a bone. Just created the tag titles as a bone to Sasha and Bailey just to shut them up and then just completely disregard them afterwards. I can easily see that being the case, and hopefully they're kind of reversing that now. We'll see. Well, like I said, maybe there's a possibility that we'll get uh, Asuka and the Kabuki Warriors uh, to be involved with NXT somehow. You know, they've they've said that, oh, certain things are going to stay in there, whatever, but right. there's no one singular home for the women's tag division right now for those titles. Right. They're everywhere. Right, and well, right after uh, uh, Bailey and Sasha won it initially, uh, they actually went to NXT uh, taping and were like acting like they were going to defend it on NXT as well, and nothing ever came of it. Big surprise there, huh? Right, absolutely. Honestly, like Hell in a Cell was the kind of the the shit covered bow on the tree of this entire week for WWE. Like every from the season premiere of Raw ending with the cuckold angle, which is just god-awful, to Kofi getting bitched out in seven seconds on SmackDown to ending with uh, the Hell in a Cell match this Sunday. Every major event for this huge week, WWE has just conclusively shit the bed with the endings. They just did not have a clue how to be... Okay, so talk about the thing with Rusev and the angle with Lashley. Oh. I think it is really in poor taste. <laughs> it doesn't come yes. off like I think they want it to. Like it actually just really grosses me out. I'm like, that's just this is just an old gross angle that no one needs to see. This isn't Edge Lita 2010. No, what it is is it's coming off as the old shitty, the trash TV that was ECW when they weren't doing hardcore matches. Yes, that's, that's exactly. the real thing. That is absolutely Heyman. And oh, yeah, huh? Now that you say it, it all makes sense. Of course, it's Heyman. Yep, that's the that's the really kind of terrible thing to it is that Heyman was great at booking the the revolutionary hardcore matches, the the kind of roughshod Wild West that ECW was. But at the same time, the dude has a nose for just absolute schlock when he wants to. And ECW was notorious for oh, that. Oh, he's a smart machine, bro. Exactly the same. Oh, definitely. Ugh. I mean, full barely legal. Didn't Beulah McGillicuddy's tits full blown come out during that? I feel that's correct. Yeah. And so in the midst I, of I a mean, really cheesy yeah, angle there too. 
So I'm just saying the guy doesn't really have his nose on class. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, he does not. (laughs) Which is unfortunate. It's funny. Somebody shared a a meme in correlation with uh, Hell in a Cell, and it was a, a clip, a gif of Vince McMahon in the ring with an NXT CM Punk. Did you see this? No. Oh, my God. And... This is old, so this is an old thing from back in when, like I said, it was the NXT revolution with Punk. Nexus, that's what it was, Nexus, not NXT. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, I was going to say. Gotcha, gotcha. And I was trying to remember what the fuck it was called, and I knew it was like the up-and-comers. NXT sounded right. It's not right. I'm sorry. Fuck me. But um, anyways, Ben stopped and screamed, I don't give a damn what you want to the crowd. (laughs) And... And and CM Punk's response is like, this is exactly the problem. Yes. <laughs> like, God. this is exactly the problem. And you go back to that. I'm just going to say it again, man. Hell in a Cell. There have been so many cool Hell in a Cells. Like, you could have ended that Hell in a Cell on top of the mm-hmm. cell. You could have had a crazy bump. None of that. It was just boring. Let's kill the curb stomp. It doesn't work. Let's fucking, you know... Ruin the fiend's reputation, gonna, and yeah. then finish with what is arguably the. I mean, you know what it felt like. I almost hesitate to ask. <laughs> the finger poke of doom. Yeah, I it can tastes see that. and smells and feels like the finger poke of doom. We're supposed to yep. care about this match, and I walk away going, "Fuck this whole company!" Like. Fuck them up their stupid asses, as Jay would say. <laughs> I I just laughed. I sat there and laughed for a solid ten minutes. Uh, it's like because it's just so unbelievably they, bad. Uh, yes, and like hell, even if okay, say they had Bray win the match, which would have been a better solution. But after eating all of those curb stomps and all of the chair shots, the chair shot to the head, for God's sake. The toolbox, the hammer. If he'd have still won throughout that, how the hell do you beat him? You you made someone who is not beatable. You don't, and that was something I think they also couldn't face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's no part of that match. But maybe no that's part the of the thing they need right now. Well. Maybe they need somebody who just, you know. Like maybe they just need somebody uh, that just runs rough shot and runs through everyone. And when the when you hear that screech and the sounds for the the fiend and he he just shows up, and just have him show up everywhere. Have him show up on NXT. Have him show up on yeah. SmackDown. Have him show up on Raw. And just I'm, let it be him running literal rough shot on everybody. Honestly, I'm down for it. I do think there is a little bit of hope. They haven't completely buried him. Uh, I don't know if you saw, he was uh, in a dark segment after Raw last night. They kept uh, him and Rollins both off of the broadcast on Raw, but then he came out and jumped, I think it was Cesaro, after the uh, the brawl between uh, Tyson Fury and Strowman, and the crowd really? ended up. Yeah, huh. the crowd still cheered the shit out of it. So if there's if the crowd's still buying into it, then there's still hope yet. Well, I think the crowd's buying into to the Fiend character, and Bray Wyatt obviously is this right. guy who a lot of us have long championed. I've been a Bray Wyatt right. dude since, I mean, not as long as you, and we've talked about it, you have been a longtime Bray Wyatt fan, but uh, oh. I've liked him for a while, man, and 
really, hopefully they correct this and they see that they fucked up. I agree. I agree. But, and they fucked all this up. They fucked up Raw. They fucked up SmackDown and Kofi. They fucked up Hell in a Cell. And the one strong point they had all week was NXT, and it got beat too. <laughs> I mean, it got stomped in the ratings. And let's just before we get into the into the Wednesday Night War. Yep. As far as SmackDown Live is concerned, the only high point for me is the Rock Becky segment with Corbin. Um, that was good. I, I won't won't discount that was wonderful, and uh, I hope. Corbin has the STD chance the rest of his career. Um, I would the one bit of the show oh, that I really enjoyed was me the. Too. I think that'd be absolutely hysterical. I did love uh, Owens finally getting rid of Shane. At least, hopefully, for a good long while. Well, I mean, I think you needed to do that because the Shane McMahon fatigue has set in. You you painted him into a corner corner, and you never yeah. had a, a payoff with CM Punk's return. <sighs> right. Well, they they oh god the Shane thing's been insufferable for so long that I'm glad it's hopefully finally over. And uh, you know, I part of me wants to be excited for Velasquez because it, it's interesting, but they did Kofi so dirty. Seven seconds is Dude. just evil. Shoot it down. It doesn't even matter with Kane. He's already hurt. <laughs> Is he really? Yeah. They are. They announced today that there's an in- injury that's going to most likely set him back. <laughs> oh. Oh, God. That's just... <laughs> that's even more WWE. <laughs> of course he is. Why would it be any different? <sighs> it's really funny. When Kane Velasquez first came out, my first thought was like, Damn, Dominic, you buff. And then I was like, wait, oh, that's not Dominic. God. There was a, a, a meme I saw today that was a, a four-square picture, and I believe it was uh, it was Velasquez, uh, Dominic, um, fucking uh, Kozlov, and I can't remember who the fourth was, but they're always like super square-jawed, damn near bald. And it's, just, it's like Russian Dominic, Mexican Dominic. Dominic Dominic. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> well, I will say this. For Dominic's sake, uh, from that from that spot on Raw, that kid put over Lesnar better than any of his opponents have in years. Dude bumped like a motherfucker. Oh yeah, he took it too. He 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 let Lesnar make him a ragdoll and was not afraid of it. Sold it real well. Ray's taught him well, apparently. Yeah, man, that's crazy. Uh, so let's go ahead and shift gears into what is the beginning of... Now, I also want to let our, our fucking listeners know something, man, because this episode's going to mark kind of a change in the way this show operates. We're technically going to start recording weekly, it seems, in favor of keeping up with the news as much as we can, but the show is still going to be a bi-weekly event where you're just going to get, like, two hour-long segments. Uh, right. So th- this is kind of the first segment, and this is going to be the first head-to-head matchup, AEW versus NXT, the beginning of Wednesday Night Wars. Mm-hmm. Our thoughts, 
what went well, what went wrong, uh, what the future might hold for these companies. So right out of the gate, man, what are some of your reactions from Wednesday? Well, I wouldn't. I watched uh, AEW first, and then tried to uh, try to watch NXT the same night afterwards, and I failed miserably. I had to come back and watch it Thursday. But AEW, I think, did everything it needed to do out of the gate to have a really good start. Um, I don't think the show was without flaws. There were some little things that did kind of like the fact that they're still as young as they are. There's still a little polish needs on it. Um, as far as the show itself, booking wise, I thought it was fantastic. I thought the matches were great. I thought that the right people went over. Um, the only complaints I had about for that first show was they, they seemed to struggle with the commercial breaks coming in and going out of it seemed like they missed some segments because of going to commercial um but then again this is the first time they've actually had commercials on an aew show so it's completely forgivable something they'll get worked out over time i'm sure like they missed the uh i want to say the very beginning of the hangman page uh pack match and uh part of the nyla rose uh reho match but i i guarantee that'll be a, a thing of the past as long as they get once they get their feet under them um, other than that, the only thing I can think of, like, negatively for that show is they need to get rid of JR so badly. I I love me some JR, but he is just dragging their commentary down. Really? That's so interesting, because I'm quite satisfied with their commentary, mainly because it's got, like, a mixture of everything. You've got the nostalgic vibes, because you've got... Two of the voices of the of the Monday Night Wars together, right? Plus the the new anchor of Excalibur, and it's just like I don't know. I I, I like the flow that they all have, but for some I reason, it, I don't know. For some reason, I, I can kind of understand and vibe though what you're saying because look, Jr. is not a spring chicken. No. The the thing that gets me, I love Excalibur. Like I've been a fan of his. I love listening to his stuff from uh, PWG, and uh, Shivani uh, took a lot of time off and came back. He does MLW as well and does a really good job with it. So he's gotten a lot more practice. Jr. has almost. I think he's actually come out and said that he's not very familiar with the people he's calling now, like with the actual wrestlers. Like he's not as up on the product. So he's just ad-libbing the entire thing and you can tell there's just spots where he just meanders a ton and it, it just like it feels like half the time uh excalibur has to cover for him on something well now i'm gonna so have to go back and just, like reanalyze with those ears and think about it I, lo- I i do like excalibur and uh and shivani i wouldn't be averse to hearing shivani and, and jr calling a nostalgia match here and there but I think JR long term isn't their answer. But again, that's just me. So, do you see someone like uh, a Matt Stryker or Justin Roberts taking over a booth role, or or will we get somebody like? No offense, I really don't like that Alex Chavez guy. I don't really think he's a good commentator. No, uh, but um, Marvez or whatever his name is, who yeah. would fill that? I, yeah, yeah, who would fill that role? Truthfully, I would just like to see him do a two-man booth. I'm kind of over having three-man if possible. Um, I would just be down to see Shivani and, and Excalibur do it. Although I would not be averse to Matt Stryker. I actually dug Stryker a lot. I know he kind of gets uh, 
kind of gets a, a little bit of a raw deal. People don't seem to like him. I don't really know why. But, uh, I fucking I thought love Matt Stryker. I loved his work on Lucha Underground with uh, Vampiro, and Vampiro is not a good, easy guy to call with. True. He's got a new uh, documentary coming out, The Fall and Rise of Vampiro. Oh, he's didn't he doesn't he have like Alzheimer's or something? Like he's got yeah, mm, really bad. And he's I, I follow him on like, Facebook. I'm like, I, I don't know if it's if, I know it's really him that runs the page, but I don't know if it's like a personal account. I can't really I can't remember right now. I'm pretty sure it's just like right. a fan account or whatever. But he's on there like almost every day talking, dude. And sometimes he'll break down crying and just talk about like he can't remember shit. Yeah, he really can't. It just like pervades him. He has no stuff. idea. He's had some, I think he's gotten like early onset Alzheimer's or something. Like he's actually been diagnosed with it. Well, so I'm it, It's a weird situation. Um, as far as, like, honestly, what'd you th- what did you think of the, uh, of the first Dynamite show? Okay, so honestly, it was really interesting to me to note that I don't think, what, just Cody was the only member of the elite that won. Everyone else lost. Hangman lost. Uh, the actual yeah. elite team lost. Um, mm-hmm. So so that's kind of interesting because you got that whole, like, if you're the guy in charge of booking, don't you just put yourself over? And it didn't really seem like that was the play. Yep. And even, even Cody winning was built to make Sammy look really fucking strong. Definitely. I mean that was a Absolutely. great first match. They put yes, on was. a hell of a show. It was hey man, we haven't had wrestling on TNT in almost fucking twenty years, man. It's been like eighteen years or some shit like that. But here it is, and it's even better than you remember. You know, I think Cody was the absolute right call to put on first. Again, like I said last week, the dude tells a great story, and that match was a great example of it. So it. I mean, they went straight to the gate. I love they didn't open with a promo. They went straight to a great match right off the bat. Crowd loved it. The crowd was on fire the whole time. Absolutely great match. I did also like uh And I uh, mean, the, there were a lot of that. really great matches on the AEW card. Mm-hmm. I've got, uh, I think I had three of those that I'd singled out as possible match of the week. And uh, a bit of a spoiler, but Cody definitely made the list. <laughs> Thanks for the spoiler. No, it's, uh, yeah. I agree. There were a lot of great matches on that card. Uh, to continue, like, kind of my overall thoughts of the event, I feel like surprisingly they got it wrong with the winner of the first AEW women's title. And I, I maybe that's <sighs> odd, but I think that Riho should not have won. I think you should have know. given it like, to Nyla. She is a built-in heel and had people chase. It makes more sense because now you got Rio, who's this like plucky, happy-go-lucky thing mm-hmm. that's only going to get you over for so long. You know, even if she's one of the most absolute talented people on their roster overall, regardless of gender. I think um, there's two ways I kind of looked at it. Like, I had Nyla Rose pegged as the champion walking in. Because it's it's the smart, it's the, I'm not going to say safe, 
but it's the kind of traditional decision you want to have. If you've got a monster, you want to have a good baby face chasing it, and they have that element. So it'd be a strong case right off the bat. Plus, with Nyla's backstory, she makes a great case for the first champion, a good PR move. But at the same time, that's also the very a very traditional way of looking at that match and who you'd want to come out as your champion. They've been hyping up how they want to listen to the fans. They want to uh, push the people that the fans want to see. And Riho has gotten excellent reactions out of the crowd, so they went with what the crowd seemed to want. And I don't know that I can fault them for that. Well, and I think the crowd was even hot for Nyla possibly winning it. That crowd was on the edge of their seat for that match. It was maybe the best match on the card, just saying. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it was the best match on the card, personally. And that's saying a lot. It was like dead center of the night. It was going into hour two. You got to have a strong hour two. And uh, you look at you're working with no offense. NXT's hour two was good, but it was not the Mm -hmm. AEW hour two. You're absolutely right. Now, Um, plus um, you've got two people that aren't well known. Go. What's up? You also got two two female wrestlers that are not well known at all, even correct. Even somebody who follows wrestling a lot may not know Rio. Yeah, and um, they stole it, man. And it was it was really refreshing to see that they put it all out on the line like that. The fans were receptive. Definitely. You know, I, I've been I'm not gonna lie, slightly concerned that we were gonna have like gross fans that are trying to be malicious towards Nyla Rose. I think there's definitely a possible toxicity in the era we live in to have that happen. And it was really, it was really nice and refreshing to not have that happen. I think that there's been, there was an issue with that on Twitter. I know she, uh, someone came at her with the, yeah, but she's a guy kind of crap. And, I think she lost her patience on some dude on Twitter and then came out and apologized afterwards, but it got pretty well downplayed, I think. Uh, that's, I, I think they do a good... I, I think AEW does a really good job of not, you know, not... Uh, what's the right word to put it? They're not putting it up on a billboard. They're not really harping on it. They're not downplaying it, but they're not making it a point to mention every time she's on screen either. I think that helps. They're not trying to make it the. They're not correct. It it's not a. Um, it, it's not the merit of which she's being judged. Right. The merits. Correct, but the but the merits of which, the, you know, and I think that 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 was something I really liked about the dynamite crowd. By the end of the match, they were cheering for either of them to win. You thought. Nyla had it at the end there, and the crowd popped yep. like she was going to win, and oh, when she didn't. And then Rio gets the win, and the crowd still popped with the holy fuck, you know? Right. And and to see those two based on the merits of their work, nothing else, getting over yep. like that, I think is going to continue to dispel people being gross and toxic uh, towards I think Nyla, a, especially. I agree, definitely. And then so now yeah, let's I, I talk really... about the end of the card. Right. Um, 
I loved actually did you see uh Cody came out uh somebody asked Cody on Twitter not too long back a couple days ago I think um why the ref didn't toss the match when uh Moxley got involved and Cody actually came back with yeah we'll talk to our referees about it and but I think they we trust our referees to do the right thing and he thought that was the right call to let the match continue I'm like you know what that's a good on you for actually addressing it and rolling with it cool and not ignoring it. Exactly. Because um, you could very easily just be like, "What? I didn't. I didn't yep. see that tweet." I like that. Uh, I I love the Moxley interrupting for one. Um, just because it furthers the storyline that Kenny has just completely gotten to, and he's losing it enough over Moxley to the extent where he abandons the match and abandons his friends to go chase him down. So it ties really well into that, that uh, Kenny is losing it storyline they've got going. And I'm just at the same time, started. Gives, oh, I love it. Um, and it gives the bucks the chance to act like act a good baby face and fight back the two on three. And then to ultimately get the the save from Cody, which is like, oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. And then to have Sammy come out to continue that feud from the very start of the card, I felt that's very smart wrestling, you know, keeping yep. what was happening through the night, kind of the pulse, and people now are talking. Sammy Guevara, very important now. He was seen with Ortiz and Homicide, and uh, or not Homicide, Ortiz and her. <laughs> Santana. Her, which one is it? It's uh, Santana and Ortiz. Santana, I fuck that up every time. Santana well, no, you're, Ortiz you're, with Jericho. <laughs> I mean, I like you. I like you going to homicides. Kind of the uh, there were LAX on Impact. Uh, Santana and Ortiz were the new uh, LAX homicide, and uh, uh, Hernandez were the OGs, right? Hernandez were the original ones. Yeah, they were the original uh, LAX. See, it's in there. It's all in there. It's just See? scrambled sometimes, folks. Comes out <laughs> wrong. But then we had, like, the huge... I thought, man, how do you top the night? How do you bring out somebody big? What do you do? They took a gamble on the first real big name to pull up, but it pays off because this person has left a trail of honestly pretty impressive streaks going into their MMA mm-hmm. world with uh, formerly known as Jack Swagger debuting Jake Hager, because that's his real name, I'm pretty sure. Right. Uh, We the people, though, the crowd remembered, man. They didn't forget him. Mm -hmm. It was awesome and refreshing. I think he actually used the We the People shtick on uh, some of his MMA stuff. Like, he actually came out and did that. I think, yeah, because he didn't officially, like, make it a merchandise thing. He just would do it, because you can't stop him from just doing it. What do you think of the, uh, of the, I guess, I don't even call it a stable around Jericho now or just uh, allies. Are they going to go faction with it? Oh, I could see them going faction. I could kind of just see it being like, you know, Jericho's the champ, so he's going to have people that want to surround themselves with the champ's presence and vice versa. He's going to want to have kind of an entourage. And I noticed that everybody except for Swagger had gold. 
as a color scheme. Sammy had gold in his color scheme. I had a catch uh, at it Formerly LAX had gold in their color scheme. I'm going to call them formerly LAX just for now. Uh, it's just easier to remember that way. But, um, you know, it's just a, um, I don't know if it's ADD or if it's ADHD or my OCD or whatever, but I noticed things. And I have watched the AEW Dynamite pay-per-view, or pay-per-view, fuck, the, the live show from Wednesday. It, feel, it felt like a pay-per-view. That's how big it was. But uh, Absolutely. It just, that noticing little things like that, as soon as you said the word faction, it just hit me in the head like, boof, of course they're doing a faction. The color schemes match, they kind of had this plan. You have mm. a huge reveal of ja- Jake Hager, Jack Swagger. It's going to be hard to not just call him Jack Swagger. I fucking loved Jack Swagger. I... <laughs> Maybe bizarre in that fact, but I really did enjoy his time in the WWE. More towards the end of his career and his work with Cesaro, less during his ECW Definitely. drop the title every Definitely. time he walks out on stage run. Well, like he even had a nice little uh, short run with uh, Lucha Underground right at the tail end of theirs. Really? I didn't know that, actually. They, uh, I can't remember. I think it was like Jake Strong or something. They build him as... Um, and they actually had built him up to be the big bad villain at the very end of their last season. Wow. Like he was going to be the main villain going forward, and that's where they had to cut it off. That's awesome. And it was really nice to see, like I said, the fans mm-hmm. didn't forget him, man. Right. It was like, and uh, yes, he's still over. We the people, like I said, his MMA career, which I think he's like two or three and oh, he has not lost a, a match yet. Right. Like that's impressive, and that holds some weight, so... I'm excited to see what he does in AEW. Definitely. And I like the idea of them surrounding Jericho with a faction. If that's what they're doing, I do like the idea of it. And, I mean, it also makes a lot of sense considering you already have a built-in, like, babyface faction with the Elite. Right. So we got to have a response to that, which would be the, the heel faction, which obviously, if we're really forward-thinking, that means that at some point the heel faction will gain MJF as an ultimate betrayal to Cody, right? Uh, I mean, that's coming. It's going to happen eventually. Uh, did you see uh, the, I think it was New York Comic Con bit with him? No, I don't think I saw the New York Comic Con bit with him. There was there was a, uh, they did a press, uh, they did a whole press conference for AEW at Comic Con. I did see that. And now, I saw some of that. I saw, uh, like, uh, Moxley and Jericho talking about why they left WWE yep. to continue. So there was a whole panel, and they had uh, Jericho was leading this panel. Everybody's, you know, fan asking questions. And some dude comes out in full, like, Jericho gear and just starts railing at him about, you know, you're you're doing horrible things to Cody and starts, and it's MJF in disguise. <sighs> Pulls the gear off. It cuts a promo in, in the middle of the crowd out to Jericho at the table. Cody walks out from behind him and jumps Jericho behind the table. Now I did see Jericho get jumped. I did not see the yep. lead up to that with with MJF. Yep. That's very clever. Especially with him uh you know being critical of the geeks and virgins as he was in the actual show. Yes, absolutely and his but, win over Brandon uh, Cutler. Yes. Uh now I will say interesting thing to t- talk about MJF. If you saw this week's being the elite, there's new MJF merchandise. I have not. I haven't seen this week's episode yet. Yeah, so uh, it's really strange, but he's selling scarves. 
Okay. I I could you know that's he's got the merch to do it. I mean that's a part of his gimmick that makes sense. <laughs> Although I I kind of oh god, I can see if he does end up in the faction with Jericho, the two of them having a comparison of scarves now. I mean the scarf, dude. Let me just tell you. I think it says I'm too poor to own a real scarf or a good scarf oh or something God. like that. <laughs> oh. And then at the bottom it has his logo, MJF. So That's beautiful. Uh, he is maybe the best, most overheel in the modern wrestling history, just saying. Uh, I'd say he's the, one of the best up-and-coming ones. Definitely like the uh, one to keep an eye on and probably the future heel. I, I mean... Unless they, I mean, because right now he is a heel per se, but they haven't made him like the over the top psychopath heel when he turns on Cody because that's coming. Right. Like I keep saying, um, I'm just trying to think how to word this. But there's going to come a point where he like is the mature, evolved version of MJF, where he's a little bit more aggressive. Right. Well, the dude's only what 22, 23, something. Yeah, like that? he's super young. Oh yeah, he's got a lot of time to grow into that, and it w- there's the makings of one of the like a legend of a heel there. Man, yeah, I'd say he's definitely one to keep an eye on. He is one of many in that company that are that we're gonna be able to say like, man, do you remember watching the first Dynamite? How good that was. <laughs> Yep. Like, oh, do you remember watching Sammy Guevara almost beat Cody and now he's the whatever champ? What, right. Whether it's their real deal champ or some sort of mid-card champ if they end up going that route. Uh, They've done a really good job of building their entire roster around it, almost a youth movement. Yes, exactly. Oh, that's so well said. They're not they're not WCWing slash TNAing themselves by going, exactly. oh, we need all these vintage exactly. stars. That are only going to get us so far. Honestly, my uh, my guy to watch for uh, this week for this episode was it is somebody from AEW. My up and comer, somebody to keep an eye on. Oh, please enlighten me. It's someone I think that uh, that you have very near and dear to your heart as well. <gasps> someone you and I have talked about in the past. You may be able to guess it. It is the one, the only, the acid washed, the freshly squeezed. Orange Cassidy. I just want you to know I'm giving you the lamest thumbs up right now. What's that? I'm giving you the lamest thumbs up right now, like he would. I oh, thank you. Okay, that the, the kind of half thumbs. Okay, just like yeah, uh, yeah. Orange Cassidy, I think, is a guy that there's not a whole lot of like the only people that really know about him at this point are people who've been watching independent wrestling for a while, but that's someone that once he gets that big forum of being on. AEW and being on a live show Wednesday nights could just take off like a rocket because people are going to love him. Well, it's such a bizarre, I'm going to use the word, I know it's kind of a dirty word, but it's it's such a bizarre gimmick that Mm -hmm. uh, you have a guy who's in the wrestling industry who does not put out maximum effort. He's a minimum effort guy. Absolutely. Now, I want to tell you a little secret, and I know you know because you brought him to the table, but... Orange Cassidy is a hell of a worker, actually. Oh, he can absolutely go. And it's Definitely. awesome to see him 
turn up the speed and go to that next level. But there's also a certain nuance to his ability to wow a crowd with a comedic shtick of wrestling. He is absolutely he is he is one of the rare guys that is willing to do comedy and willing to do this undercard stuff but at the same time could absolutely main event a card if needed to or wanted to. And really in the history of wrestling, you've had comedic guys. You've had guys like uh, Santino Morella, Colt Cabana, Toriano in New Japan that are great at comedy, but you never buy them as legitimate threats. He's one that could actually be bought as a legitimate threat because of the way he styles his matches. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Uh, uh, now, I'm curious and, because yeah. you brought him. I feel like you probably brought some matches people need to see. I've most likely seen all the ones you're going to bring up. I'm probably going to have some commentary on almost all of them. So uh, I've, I've got what are some matches people need to look out for, two. Orange Cassidy, in your opinion? Well, I know the one that uh, I'm probably going to take off your plate is versus Gentleman Jervis at Wrestle Circus. So fucking good, dude. It is it, that's the the best of the pure comedy gimmick with him. So that was for the sideshow mm-hmm. title mm-hmm. at Wrestle Circus. Uh, gentleman Jervis is a gentleman, so he has this like again a different shtick, a different gimmick. There there are quote unquote spots in that match that are bizarre. Like oh god, Orange Cassidy loses his shades. Gentleman Jervis just walks and, over, yeah. picks up the shades, puts them back on his face. Yep. The uh, you have the completely unique spot of he basically puts him in a sleeper hold and legitimately lays him out like a baby and puts him to sleep. Walled him to sleep. The ref, bro, got out the blanket oh, and the pillow from under the ring. The ref buying. I think it's Bryce Remsburg who's with AEW as well. The referee counts very slowly and very quietly to not wake him up. It it's. It's like a 20-minute match. It's amazing. He goes for the three and and has to sneeze, so, you know, he gets the stop, and then there's the whole... I mean, that's clever wrestling. And, I mean, even there's even the spot where during the sleeper hold, uh, there's a reversal where Jervis gets put into a schoolboy pinning submission, you know, a predicament, essentially. And it's just because Cassidy rolled over. He adjusted in his sleep. (laughs) like that's clever as shit man that's refreshing to wrestling fans honestly it's a great example of him doing just a straight comedy match but done so well and the crowd just eats it up you know Um, and not only does he do great comedy matches I might steal one off your plate because he also does amazing inner gender matches Actually, okay, you did get the other he one. He uh, versus Kylie Ray. Kylie Ray. Yeah, absolutely that was one of my other ones, yeah. stellar match. One of my favorites. Genuinely, I watch it probably once or twice a month, depending. And he's he almost wrestles a bit as a heel in that one. Like he, there's spots in that match where he is kind of I'm not gonna say underhanded, but kind of more arrogant or kind of more uh, he wrestles as a heel. Oh yeah, he's cheap about it too. He has some cheap he takes some cheap shots. So, a great match with her. Um, The other one I have, I had three and you've heard me talk about his match with David Starr. Absolutely. Brutal. Um, Brutal bloody match. From uh, Tournament for Tomorrow. Yeah. Because uh, 
that's a, that's the other example of him starting off at comedy, doing the gimmick, and then midway through the match just wakes up. When uh, David Starr doesn't take the gimmick seriously at all, it's just it's not going to squash him, but just just to win with him. And Cassidy just fires up, and they get into this quick-paced sprint of a match, and it's awesome. Starr is a great wrestler in his own right, but watching Cassidy go from comedy just going blow for blow with him, breaking out a destroyer of all things, it's a, just a great underdog David versus Goliath match. Absolutely. Mixed with a comedy match. And it's it's amazing. I think that that he is one of those guys that you look at AEW a year from now, he'll be one of their biggest breakout guys. Because the audience, the wider crowd finally get to see his bit, his act, and how charismatic he is, I think he's gonna light up the screen. I absolutely agree. Super charismatic. He has the ability to just transform people because, you know, when I first watched, the first time I saw Orange Cassidy was actually the all-in when he showed up at the Battle Royale. Okay. And he was just, like, half-assedly kicking Tommy Dreamer. And I'm like, you gotta love the announcer who in the fuck is this too? guy? And then it was hilarious. And then it kind of got me giggling. And I was like, this is fucking hysterical. This is kind of clever. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first bit was watching him in uh, the this is Joey Janela's Spring Break two last year, uh, the clusterfuck match their their take on the Rumble, and he's in there wrestling the Invisible Man, <laughs> like it's no dude I I need to get you to you need to watch that show I'll, I'll I have I think I have a free I think I have that one paid for I will send you a link to my uh, account so you can watch that sweet um, but yeah uh, he has a spot in the rumble and just comes out beautifully. He does. The guy does an orange juice mist instead of the green mist. Genius. It's great. Uh, one, um, one more match though. I want to, I want to bring up one more match that he did. Shoot. That was a different kind of a comedic match. I don't know if you've seen this one. It's he and Colt Cabana and at beyond wrestling. Is it uh, outdoors? It is outdoors. I've seen bits and pieces of that one, actually. Essentially, the match is like a a seven-and-a-half-minute beer spot. Right. Because they have the beer. They don't want to spill the beer. And that's the match. And it's fucking hilarious. And it it just... Colt does it again. Colt kind of has the David Starr thing. Not really taking it seriously, but it kind of... It doesn't really super pick up, but it picks up enough. And then Colt kind of plays the game and also does... Cassidy's shtick a little bit, which makes it even more. Oh, Cabana's a Cabana's a great comedic wrestler in his own right. Absolutely. Um, actually, one of my favorite matches from this year is Cabana and uh, Toriano um, from New Japan. I don't know if you've ever seen any of his stuff. Uh, Yano is known for cheating and just comedic cheating the entire time, and uh, he and Cabana have a great comedy match, all of like eight minutes. But uh, now Cabana and, and and Cassidy doing the orange juice and doing excuse me the beer spots are just fantastic, and again the crowd eats it up. I uh, I tell you, man, I think OC has a real potential to do great things in AEW. Like you said, I think he is a wrestler to watch. Uh, 
I think you brought really great match picks to the table that people need to check out as well. I'm glad that you and I could call each other's out ahead of time, too. Oh, man, <laughs> come on. They're, and, you know, it's really funny, though. This is not including he's had matches with Joey Ryan that are amazing. Right. I think he had a match with Joey Janela that was pretty awesome. I've seen parts of that as Actually, well. Actually, yeah. I know he had a I match with Joey Janela because Joey Janela came out looking like Orange Cassidy. It was fucking hysterical. <laughs> he even had an Orange Cassidy shirt of Orange Cassidy wearing an Orange Cassidy shirt wearing an Orange Cassidy uh, shirt, except for it was him wearing a shirt of him wearing a shirt of him. Oh, God. I think I actually have someone that works at my uh, at my job that has that Orange Cassidy shirt. Oh, God, that's awesome. Uh, so yeah, definitely one to watch. Uh, so before we go, um, I will say we need to touch on NXT. Definitely. So um, let's get it. What's your reaction? I think um, last week's episode, opening with Riddle and Cole is a great, it's a great move. Um, it's open. It opened against Cody and Guevara, and they knew it was going to open against Cody and Guevara, so they went big for that first match. Spot on. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of finisher no selling. But uh, I think the right person won. Cole is great leading the charge right now for NXT. I think the storyline with him and the Undisputed Era having all the gold is a great thing for them to have on network TV. It's a great story for new fans to get into. Um, So I love that. I love having that in there. I love that uh, he's got a lot of challengers now because what the hell, Finn Balor shows up. That was very strange, but kind of, I don't know if predictable is the word, but I didn't see it coming. I I, I felt like, and I think I said this to you last episode, I thought maybe Kevin Owens, and you had dispelled that by saying, you know, they're probably going to go a different route, but I felt like somebody big could go back down to NXT to really make an impact, and... I did too. I just I did not expect it to be Bauer. Um, I don't know why I didn't expect it. It makes sense looking back at it, but I thought I thought he was still out on his sabbatical for a little while. So I didn't when he showed up. I was not expecting it at all. Well, it's cool. I think that Adam Cole and Riddle put on a hell of a match. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a. I think you said it best. You know, uh, up against Sammy and and Cody. Those are two really top tier matches that started that whole thing, and I, you know, I don't know if I started watching NXT last Wednesday first. I don't know if I would have changed the channel over to AEW. No, absolutely. And I mean, they they came out with some great matches following. They had Io Shirai and Mia Yim. I'm not a big Mia Yim fan, but they have great chemistry. Had a hell of a match. Um, Gargano and Shane Thorne. Shane Thorne's getting a bit of a push. Um, and I should say out of nowhere, but um, is a good mid-level heel. They're going to do something interesting with Gargano, I hope. Um, Lorraine and Baszler had a hell of a match. That was actually one of my another one of my top five consideration ones. Um, Lorraine is a great underdog face, and Baszler is a wonderful monster heel. The two of them had a hell of a match. And then um, kind of like I shouted out to... Uh, Pete Dunn and uh, Arturo Huas last week. Uh, Dunn had a great match with Danny Birch. 
Yeah, that was brutal then, too. Yeah. So like, there's a ton of good stuff on that show. That, I mean, against any other episode, it's better than anything that main roster WWE put out by a mile. And if not for AEW, would have been a hell of a, a hell of a night for them. Yeah, huge first showing for sure. Definitely. Uh, I um, want to ask you a question though. I do want to. I want to throw this your way real quick. Sure. Do you think they make a critical error not at least anointing a new champion on this card? Um, not necessarily. Um, and again, mostly because I think that the storyline of Undisputed Era having all the gold is some, is a great thing for new fans. Like, if you're new to NXT, if you've only watched the main roster, or if you haven't watched much of any wrestling and you come across NXT, it's a great intro storyline. Um, it's something they can easily be read into. It's got a lot of drama behind it. So I can see that I would, if they want to run with that storyline, then they need to have the belts for a little bit longer at least, since uh, Strong just won it last week. So I can I I I, I am a little upset that they didn't take the belt off of Baszler because I think her time is well past. Same, but other than but the undisputed belts, the tag titles and the main title, I think those were smart keeping them on them. I, I don't know what they're doing with Baszler. I honestly can't say. I thought um, I thought Smart Money was on Larray taking it off of her so that she could feud with Shirai. But uh, apparently they didn't see it that way. I don't know what they're going to do with her. Uh, I feel like Baszler's just like this long-term heel. They're going to just have keep kind of a hold on the question. Sure. Oh my God! Wait a minute. That's what's gonna happen, dude. I can tell the future for you. Hey, man. How long was Oscar's run? Oh, very, very long. It was four hundred and thirty-some days, right? Something like that. Yeah, it broke Goldberg's record. I know that. So I don't know if I'm a gambling man, but Shayna Baszler's gonna get close to that title reign. And I'm just saying, Oscar never lost it. So, it I could see them doing a, a face-off between the two of them to see who had the longer reign. Maybe the only difference is that uh, I'm not sure how long Basler. If they want to combine Basler's two, she's technically what twice now she's been champ because she did lose it to to a uh, to uh, Sane and had her time broken up a little bit. So I don't know if the if I'm not sure how her how how many days she's had the belt and how that would compare to Oscar yet, or if that would affect how long that she would have to have the belt to compare to Oscar. I'm not entirely sure. I would love to see that match though. I'm looking right now to see her uh, NXT uh, title reign is well she's had it since October 28th of last year, so she's in the 300 day mark. She's eyeing a year with it, which it means really? she would only have like another hundred days. So, I mean, that's like was six really? months into NXT being on TV, could be a cool anointment. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, you got a point. I didn't realize it had been that long that she. That was when she took it off of Sane to begin with, or when she took it back off of Sane. Wow, I didn't realize it had been that long. Hmm. Yeah, that could very well be then. 
Um, I do want to say my favorite part of the night had nothing to do with a title change or even a match. My favorite part of the night came from Champa. Oh yeah, I forgot that even happened. I, I am, and I, I hate saying this because it's become trendy because he is such a good heel and everybody loves him. I've been a fan of Champa since early DIY. Actually, uh, one of my favorite NXT matches is a super deep cut NXT match from like December of 2016. Um, he just had a one-off match with Samoa Joe and completely won me over. I could, I love the way Champa works. Even before going heel and before all the character work, I love watching his matches. And to see that he got into the character work as well and became such a good heel, I've been a, a just absolute huge fan of Champa for a long, long time now. So seeing him come back, seeing him coming back to reclaim the title, hearing the crowd just go nuts for him, happy as hell for it. I love it. I was going to ask you if you've been a fan of Champa since he faced Undertaker and I think it was 2002, but my guess is probably not because I don't think anybody knew. Was that was, uh, was that when he was the lawyer? Yeah. <laughs> no, um I would uh I would say I was a fan of the DIY work, the early DIY work, but uh that match he had with Samoa Joe um was one of the most like it's just a straight up standard match, but the two of them beat the living hell out of each other. And I I just thought it was great. I thought it was one of my it was one of my favorite matches I've seen on NXT, and no one ever remembers it. But um, yeah, super stoked to see him come back. I hope they do something with him. I love the fact that Cole has a multitude of challengers to look out for now. It makes it look like everybody's gunning for him, which makes it seem more. Uh... What's the word? Makes the belt seem like a bigger deal. Yes, yeah, there's prestige to yep. it. That's the word I'm looking for. There you go. And especially with Finn coming back, like that, okay, former NXT champ is gunning for it. It still has some importance. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was the first Universal champ and hasn't been since, so maybe this is a good way to right some wrongs. Or or you look at your uh, Matt Riddle, I don't think is out of the title picture yet either, really. No, absolutely not. No. Definite argument that especially he could have went over, honestly. Well, they've got the storyline built in where Cole hit him in the back of the head with the uh, with the cast. That was the finish of the match. He hit him with the cast and then hit him with the last shot. So there is the rematch, you know, to be had there. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, but, we'll we'll just uh, see how the rematch plays out. And, of course, then that becomes the great question of how long do you keep the Undisputed Era covered and drenched in gold? Before you start to chip away at that, because once I think you chip away at the gold, you literally start to chip away at that faction dissolving. Well, I think the script calls for it. There is a a match Taylor made for it coming up. The next takeover is TakeOver War Games. And Undisputed Era has a history of being in those War Games matches. And I can easily see a world where they do a War Games match with Undisputed Era where all the gold is on the line. That would be interesting. Kind of a winner-take-all thing. Oh, you know, that could... Ooh, you just got my my brain... Go, when you say things like that, my brain just pivots. Because 
if they did a war games type match where all the all the gold was up for grabs, okay? How would you determine who gets what? That's a really good question. Because then that in uh, and of itself could be a whole different battle to determine who gets exactly. what. Like, exactly. sure, we got the Undisputed Era beat, but who the fuck is going to be the champ? Who's going to be our tag champs? Who's going to take the North American right. title? Or does it just like, well, okay, Dream was North American champ. It makes sense he gets the title back. Yeah. You know? It depends on how the, it depends on how they build it up, but it's something I think they could figure out. I think NXT and the writers at NXT have earned that benefit of a doubt that they can figure something out for it. And I'm willing to find out what it is they can figure out. Same, same. And you know, and I think that overall NXT put on a really good product for their first night. Right. I, I think that there was never going to be a question that they wouldn't, you know, uh, it's, it's mm-hmm. wrestling has been really kind of shitty and blase lately, except for NXT, which has been consistently golden for the past four or five years, you could say. Right. So was it going to be a question that they delivered? No. Am I surprised at the ratings numbers and how those broke down? Oh yeah. That, that, that. AEW did 1.2 mil is crazy. I'm not surprised that AEW won. I'm surprised by how much they won by. Like, I thought NXT would put up more, especially with WWE selling out everything they, I mean, going all out to get the best card they could put on against it. AEW stomped them. Just flat out stomped them. Well, and... Curiosity kills the cat. I think a lot of people were curious. I do think that AEW did a great job of marketing, putting things right. out. I like you had sent me a thing that you were at the movies and you saw an advertisement for AEW. Mm-hmm. That's big, man. Well, hell, uh, and pe- did you happen to notice uh, on Raw this week, uh, just last night, they ran a commercial for uh, for Dynamite and then ran a commercial for NXT immediately following it. Oh, damn. It's cutthroat. Neither one wants to admit it, but it's going to be cutthroat for a little while. What do you think about uh, WWE saying nice things, though, and congratulating AEW on their first night victory? I think that, well, they they do have a valid point. It is a, uh, a marathon and not a sprint. That's an absolutely valid point. And the trick for AEW isn't necessarily going to be popping ratings for their first show. It's going to be consistently popping ratings week in, week out. Yes. So, I mean, that's something that that's going to be jury still out on that. However, the fact that WWE actually acknowledged it speaks volumes because that's not something they do ever. Like they didn't acknowledge WCW until they bought them out. They still never really acknowledged TNA until they started buying out, uh, buying the rights to some of their video. <laughs> AJ Styles, so, AJ Styles, yeah. AJ Styles, Kurt Angle. Yeah. Sting. Samoa Joe. Um, I think the timing of the press release is interesting because it came out right before the ratings did. So it tells me that WWE got a, a quick look to see, oh, oh, shit. Yeah, we got beat. We need to we need to play a little bit of damage control here. Yeah. Before it gets out. So I, I think there's some some definitely uh, fire to the smoke there. But. Did you just say we want the smoke? I'm not going to sing it now. We yeah. want the smoke. Um, and it's funny, if I'm looking at my top matches here, it's there's very little main roster on it. It's all dominated by NXT and by AEW. 
Well, and I think that's what it's going to be continuing going forward. Look at you sliding right into the next portion of the show, man. <laughs> uh, before we do that, before we pivot into your top matches of this, let's just for the sake of putting it down somewhere in the world for us to look back on in some point in time. Let's give these first shows head-to-head a, a rating versus each other. Talk briefly. Oh, We've already talked briefly about AEW and briefly about NXT. So out of five, what do you give each? I would say AEW solid five out of five. I, I don't like giving 100% like that, but they could not have had a better premiere. They hit everything they needed to hit. So, I mean, I... I there's things I could dissect the show and find little things I didn't like enough to give them a an A minus or something like that. But that's really nitpicking at this point. Yeah, and for what that show needed to be to get them on the ground running, they knocked it out of the park. That you they did it absolutely perfectly. Um, so I'd say solid five out of five for AEW, NXT. I mean, again, match quality is there. That was a takeover quality card. And just like all their takeovers, it did deliver. I would say probably a four out of five just because other than the two appearances uh, by Bauer and by Champa, there were no real like forward momentum developments. And with no titles changing hands, I, and again, I think it's a missed call to have Baszler retain. So I would say a four out of five there. I don't think that – I'm not going to say that NXT is going to be a four out of five every week. They're consistently good, but that, again, was a takeover quality card. They're not, that's not something they're going to match every week. It's hard to do that, and, I mean, you're not going to go back to right. think about they can't get away with skating by anymore where they do these three-week campaigns and their fourth right. week is dark matches from the NXT show. Right. The- I think it is gonna, it, NXT is changing ever so slightly, and I think the the shift to two hours is – is going to be something that affects them quite a bit as time goes on. Really, the same thing I noticed with AEW, the uh, issues cutting the commercial, uh, NXT had the same problem. Um, NXT's always had the luxury of being pre-taped, so whenever they would air commercials during the show, they could air an entire match and then get to a whatever WWE commercial on the network. This is the first time we've ever really had to watch an NXT show where they're cutting away from the action to run commercials for the network. And that that has a break on the flow of the match. And that that uh, it makes it feel different. At least it did to me. It makes the, the TV quality matches, makes them struggle a little bit more. They have to put up a little bit more to overcome that lull mid-match every time. And again, with... NXT, that's they've had the luxury of never having to deal with that. So, correct. That's something they're going to have to overcome. Uh, I think you nailed the the ratings. I would I, w- I was going to say like AEW four point seven five if I'm nitpicking, and you kind of <laughs> nailed it. Like I'm not going to nitpick this. It should be a five. And then with NXT, I said it, and I said it. You you also like um, you know shadowed my thoughts as far as saying that a, a title change. Would have put that card over the top. Baszler holding on to the belt is kind of not really a misstep, but it's just like it's getting on. I'm tired of seeing this. 
I, yeah. I wanted to see Ember Moon win it from her. I wanted to see fucking anybody win it. Io Shirai should have right. won it from her, for fuck's sake. Uh, did I, win it from her, but I then think, lost it back. Uh, I, uh, I think Bianca Belair should have taken it off of her. I think that would have been the perfect perfect crown for somebody brand new. Also that. But, yeah. They've had lots of chances, and they haven't haven't pulled the trigger on any of them yet, and I don't really understand why. Well, and hopefully we see why, and this is this is a look into the future of wrestling because this is Triple H's company to run, and it's going to be Triple H's company to run when Vince dies, and he's going to have it all. Definitely. Now, let's, just, let's just hope we're all not in our 80s by the time that happens. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Vince is 177. He's still alive. He, he gets brought out by a floating sarcophagus, takes him to the ring. Well, I think the fact is he's uh, he's got the Keith Richards thing. He's more steroid than man now. Oh, Jesus. He's just a living steroid. <laughs> Vince McMahon, the living <laughs> steroid. <laughs> That'd explain a lot, wouldn't it? <laughs> it really would. It's also, it would. I don't know if it would explain him tearing both of his quads simultaneously in 05. I'm not going to live that uh. down or forget that. <laughs> Oh God! I actually had I tried explaining that to my dad, and like back around Christmas, we somehow got into a conversation about wrestling, which my dad has no no concept of, and I'm trying to explain the McMahon diving into the ring and tearing both quads and why he's such an insane human being. Just sits there on his ass, still barking orders, pissed off because both of his legs traffic. don't yeah. fucking work. <laughs> oh, watching that uh, live was very intense. I was just like, holy shit! Oh, I can imagine. You know what the best part of that is? What? You got to say it for him. He never broke character. He didn't see it in his face at all. You're right. <laughs> well, that's like, I feel like, like a, there was a, a rumble when, a rumble or something Vince came down for, and like people in the ring were legit laughing. Yep. Like, I think Punk was one of the culprits of like literally hysterically laughing. Ugh. Man. So, let's get back to it. We've rated what we think of uh, the first night of the Wednesday Night Wars. Looks like AEW has thrown the first punch. Um, Maybe not sinking the NXT ship, but definitely starting this battle off right. Definitely agree. Out of all this, though, I I know for sure the main event from Hell in a Cell is not going to be on this anywhere, but what are your top five from the week, my friend? And this is part one of top five of the week because we're going to get a second top five, if you guys can believe that, in the right. second hour of this show. This is, say, this is just from, uh, this is from the 25th, so the last show. This is from the 25th of September to through the 7th, so last night, 7th of October. Um, I did have one honorable mention. The one uh, non-WWE, non-AEW card I got to watch was uh, uh, Death Before Dishonor. Uh, first time I've gotten to sit down and watch Ring of Honor in a while. And uh, matchup honorable mention was the matchup between Kenny King and PCO, if only for the fact that PCO needs to be seen to be believed. I don't know if you followed any of his stuff since coming back to the Indies. Have you followed any of PCOs at all? No. PCO is uh, Pierre Carl Pierre Carl Wyatt. He used to be one of the uh, oh he used to wrestle in WWE back in the early nineties. Um. The guy is probably close to 60 at this point and is built like a brick shit house. And his gimmick is almost this B movie Frankenstein. Like, I swear to God, look him up on YouTube or on Twitter. All of his vignettes are this guy just like working on him. Like, this doctor 
in this laboratory um, doing experiments to make the perfect monster. And it, he plays the, he, as a wrestler, this old dude is doing moonsaults, is doing these insane bumps. But as a character, um, just this match in, in particular, uh, they had played up the angle where his wiring was not working correctly and he was having issues. So in the middle of the match, uh, he throws Kenny King to the outside and goes to do a suicide dive and goes to the wrong side of the ring, dives out the wrong side of the ring and just face plants on the mat. Unbelievable spot. Just watching a, a 60-year-old dude dive at nothing and just eat it. Ouch. <laughs> Gets up and uh, Kenny King decides to taser him. Oh, my God. Yeah, hits him with a stun, like Goldberg-esque stun gun. And it messes up his wiring, and he just does a choke slam out of nowhere and wins the match. <laughs> it is again, it's schlocky, it's terrible, it's cheesy, but it is unbelievable. If you can get eyes on the Kenny King match, it's not a great match. Kenny King versus PCO is great just for the gimmick alone. Gonna go there now. Um, PCO versus Kenny King. This is just last weekend. I don't know if it'll be up on YouTube or not. I found it. Uh, well, the, the illicit streams of wrestling uh, on the Death Before Dishonor. Um, so number five I had was the Kenny or was the uh, Cody Sammy Guevara match. Um, would have liked to have ranked it higher, but just because there weren't really any like stakes to it is the only reason I ranked it lower. Um, I again, Cody is a great storyteller. It was a great match. I think the payoff later on in the night was fantastic. Um, definitely one of the best matches of the week. So I put that at number five. Uh, number four was the women's hell in a cell. Hell yeah. Um, I think that's one of the best hell in a cell matches they've had in the last few years. Matter of fact, the only one I can say is anywhere close to that's probably the, um, uh, the Usos and the new day, uh, back in 2016 had a great, uh, cell match. This one is every bit as good. Great ingenuity with the ring. Uh, they started the match outside the cage before it got lowered. Great character work. Insane bumps. I, what about that like spot said, uh, with Sasha. the uh, running her into the cage when it was half down? I thought that was I thought it was great. I thought uh, I love the idea that uh, when they finally got the door or before they could get the door shut, uh, Sasha had her arm pinned in it or had uh, Becky's arm pinned in it was going after it like a car door. Great spot. Um, honestly, the only thing that counted off for uh for that match i think the finish was kind of weird after all the craziness it was just a quick disarmor to win seemed a little off-putting and i'm not sure i'm not i don't know i don't know if i like becky winning i know why they did it but i feel like they're kind of hamstringing sasha's momentum after she just came back there would have been a perfect time to put that belt on her but didn't want to pull the trigger i'm not really sure on it so that's the only reason i discounted that match at all otherwise it would have probably been a number one um, number three, I had, uh, the Luray Baszler match, um, because I think Luray is finally being able to stand on her own two feet and not just be Mrs. Gargano. Yeah. We're finally starting well to see said. that she's a great, great baby face and Baszler, you know, say what you want about her. She's a hell of a heel. And the two of them had a great match. Um, Kind of along the lines of my number two match was the Nyla Rose Riho match. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, great heel, great baby face. 
and the crowd, every bit of it ate into it. Um, and we've already talked about those two a little bit. The one match that we haven't mentioned, this is digging back a little further. This is from uh, last week's episode of NXT. So not the uh, not the uh, Wednesday Night War match, but the one leading up to it. And a match and a matchup that I love and I want to see more of and I want to see on a takeover card: Keith Lee and Dominic, Dominic Dijakovic. They were the first match of that. Pre, they were the opening match that night. Uh, Wednesday and, Night War era, right? Yep. They were the last match before AEW's week, or the last match, or the first match on the week before AEW premiered. Yeah, exactly. And the first time that the two of them have been on the network show, on the USA Network, and the crowd just lost their shit over what those two guys can do together. And they've had, every time those two are in a ring, you end up with gold. And I am begging for them to actually do a full-length takeover match between the two of them and just let them go. Do a two-out-of-three false match or something. And watch the two of them just blow the roof off of it. You saw those two have a match at a a takeover event or an event you went to, right? Uh, Actually, it was uh, PWG. uh, I want to say 2016 or 17, uh, Battle of Los Angeles. Um their yearly tournament, which almost always lends itself to great matches. And uh, Keith Lee and uh, Dijakovic was Donovan Dijak at that point, still actually using uh, close to his real name, and just had, again, an unreal... The two of them have great, great chemistry. And you're talking moonsaults, um, Keith Lee doing uh, Tope Con Hilos and, and landing on his feet, by God. Um, they did repeat some of the spots actually in that NXT match recently, the one that I have at number one. They did repeat some of the spots there, like the sitting up out of the power bomb, uh, catching Dijak, catching all these different things. And again, it's one of those things that those two guys both have insanely bright futures. And I think that those two could easily, either one of them could easily be NXT champion credibly in the very near future. And their ticket to getting there is matches against each other. The two of them are going, in my mind, the new era, uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. They just cannot have a bad match together. And every time you put them together, it's amazing. Well, and I think you nailed it. They are so athletic and acrobatic and able to move with such grace with how big they are. Absolutely. I mean, Keith Lee is not a little dude, and he throws himself around like he's a little dude. And when I see the way he throws himself around, my brain goes, this guy's the new age Samoa Joe. Absolutely. It like you get feels a, a, like that. Lee is, Lee is, I want to say, 350. I'm not sure how tall he is. I think he's maybe like 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, Didn't short by any means, but 350. And Dijakovic is legit six seven or six eight, and like two eighty two ninety. Both guys should not be able to move the way they do. And to not only do it, but to do it in tandem, it's like watching two. You mentioned last week the uh, Ricochet and uh, Osprey match. Uh, Osprey match. Imagine watching two super heavyweights doing very similar stuff. It just it blows the mind every time you watch them. 
So that I'm a little biased because I have history with watching the two of them, but that was absolutely my, my, the match of the week for me. Well, I think that uh, I think that I I actually don't know if we had texted about that match, but I remember watching it and just like these guys are legit. They don't they don't fucking oh, yeah. play. They are very talented, and I think you nailed it when you said that they work so beautifully together that they are going to chase stardom, essentially pushing the, 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 the envelope with each other. Yeah, I think pushing each other and the matches between the two are going to be the storyline that drives them into greater heights. Oh. I think the match that they had at uh, Battle of Los Angeles is what got them both noticed by WWE to begin with. Hell yeah. So, I mean, I think there's absolutely money in that pairing and that feud going forward, and that's something you can continually come back to the well on. So I'm I'm all for it. Anything that those two do, I'm here for. Fuck yeah. Well, I think we are at a good pause point for hour one. We're going to call it hour one and a half, really. Uh, we have survived some technical issues to, to pump out a pretty good <laughs> – first part of this show now what what's going to happen for the folks that are listening to this well buckles and i are going to listen and watch the rest of the week play out with wrestling we're going to link back up monday after the second half of the draft and finish up this episode for you guys because it's a it's a big one it's it's uh it's the changing of the tide for this show for sure we're going to be bringing you guys a lot more content because there is so much to bring on a consistent basis now I did want to add one quick sure thing do. here as far as the uh, Wednesday Night Wars. I'll be able to do a little live reporting here pretty soon because uh, your boy here got tickets for the uh, November 20th show. Oh, that's awesome. I'll be going to an AEW taping coming up. Super jelly. <laughs> so I'll have a, a little uh, live look in from the, uh, from the front lines. But, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hell, yeah. Well, folks... I'm just going to say that we'll see you guys soon in hour two and uh, take it away us in the future. And I received the hot tag from myself. Thanks past us because back in the second half of Journey into Wrestling season four, episode two, it's a special long one. Myself, Nate, joining me again, Alex Buckles. How's it going, brother? Not too bad, my friend. What's going on? I'm all drafted out, bro. If you want me to be Ugh. fucking honest, I'm I'm in bafflement, bro. That's how I feel. It's not even a word. the The whole draft process the, has just been cheesy, alternately cheesy, and just head scratchingly bad. Okay, so I don't even know where. <laughs> like, ah, there's so many thoughts to just jump into. First of all, we delayed this episode because there was a lot of great wrestling to come with a whole right. week of, of programming we were not going to be able to cover until what would be three weeks from now, which just seems silly. So some of the stuff in the first part of the episode is obviously a little bit older. This is going to be more fresh yep. leading up to the current Wednesday Night War, which would be week three here as we, right. uh, as we truck right along uh but we had the draft we had another episode of dynamite another episode of nxt so i'm gonna throw the ball up to you man where shall we spin the wheel first and head to what is kind of, uh news and noteworthy i think the biggest noteworthy thing that we just touched on is the draft that's uh i mean the wednesday night war is going to be a constant thing but the biggest like 
right now thing is probably the draft over Friday night of last week and then Monday tonight. Oh yeah, man, absolutely. It's really, it's really funny because I watched the like I watched SmackDown in real time, and was just like, oh, this is what they're doing. Like, oh, right. And it kept getting like weirder, and in my opinion, at least worse. And I couldn't wait to talk to you about it, and I knew I couldn't because you were at a wedding. That's right. So you hit me up. I don't know, man. It was it was kind of late, but I don't really even think it was that late. It like was uh, it was Friday night, probably around uh, oh, eleven o'clock, maybe uh, Illinois time, and I had just gotten back from the, uh, I guess the bridal shower, or not the bridal shower, the uh, rehearsal dinner, if you want to call it that, and hadn't got a chance to check in with it yet. So I asked you how it was going, or how it went. Oh man, uh, yeah, that, that I can't. There aren't even words to describe how disappointed and shocked I am at their decision to do what they did. And I, I think say, I prefaced it quickly to just throw this at you. I think I prefaced it with like, well, I mean, they had the Fox and and USA Network execs, quote unquote, involved. Uh, I, you know, part of me wants to believes that yeah, I think that that USA and and Fox may have actually had a say in who they wanted. I believe that. I mean, that's part of their contracts. I'm guessing, but to show the quote-unquote war room full of the obvious actors just, oh, and are like cheering or being very upset when they didn't get a certain pick when it's like, you, this is so, so cringy. Oh, and how about how the war rooms are all decked out with so much fucking WWE merchandise? Oh, it's like an advertisement. Well, you got you have the the raw the USA War Room where some dudes actually looks like he's wearing Ultimate Warrior face paint, and then yeah. you have the Fox War Room that has the stupid fucking uh, CGI robot from their football gigs. Okay, and talking uh, about cameos, let's talk about all these stupid, obviously, definitely pre-recorded bits where. Oh God. It, the fucking dudes from Fox Sports are talking about the draft, and Al Roker is talking about the uh, draft, and honestly, fucking the, Aunt Jemima the is bit. talking about the draft. I don't, I don't understand it. Like the Roker bit, I don't know. I can't remember. They showed it was like from uh, NBC's uh, Today Show or something. I don't know who he was. The white dude that was on screen with Roker looked so miserable having any interaction with WWE whatsoever. Like he was just disgusted with himself for having to say something well we all know that wwe will make us say something tomorrow oh i'm sure today <laughs> oh god and like i mean they they dug down they got the 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 fox hockey or no nbc hockey analyst analyst rather like who the fuck are you people anyway why does anyone care yeah it becomes really corny and uh. i you know, I feel like I read people online who said nice things about the draft, and then I'm like, they probably work for WWE, man, because there was no redeeming quality. And honestly, my biggest right. complaint right out of the gate is obvious preconceived draft picks that are uninspired. Did you uh, did you happen to see, um, I believe it was on Cage Side Seats uh, over the weekend, that WWE may have inadvertently spoiled their own picks for Friday night? They did absolutely spoil their picks. Yeah. I saw them. They had the draft order on their site hours. Like that's just how they listed the show. It. Yeah. Ugh. 
And what they were trying to do, okay, so here's a little behind the scenes. The whole point was that there was supposed to be a list of people available for the draft. Mm -hmm. But they just copied and pasted the list of people in what draft order they were getting drafted. Right. And then it became obvious, so much so that there was, like, early fan, like, worry and fear because of the whole R-Truth Carmella split, which came true tonight. But it was was predicted. I mean, not even predicted. It was announced by WWE.com last Friday. Exactly. And here's the the funny thing about it to me. I had noticed this uh, tonight, actually, when they officially did the split. The way they announced their picks on SmackDown is like, if you know anything about their backstage, you could predict it, even without having seen that. Well, okay, they drafted Charlotte. Who's Charlotte dating? Oh, that's right, Andrade. Oh, well, why do you know? He's the next pick. Okay, well, Andrade's got Zelina Vega. Who's she married to? Oh, that's right, Alistair Black. Black. Okay, I guess we're going to draft him too. However, isn't, uh, isn't Carmella dating Corey Graves? Really? Is that a real thing? I think... I think it might. I could swear they've actually referenced it on TV before. Like Weird. when Carmella's done something, he always something, like he, openly has a boner for Mandy Rose and talks about it. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, there's been a couple times I could swear where they uh, Carmella had been on screen, and when when she won the title, when she won the twenty four seven belt, and he's like, oh, I don't want her bringing that home, kind of thing. Oh shit! Uh, so if it is legitimate, they actually broke that couple up. Well, maybe they are break, yeah. breaking up anyways or something. Who knows what the behind-the-scenes politics of it is. It's it's actually interesting that you note that because, to me, when I thought the about the uninspired draft picks, it was coming from a perspective of, like, they moved the belts before they made the, the, right. the draft picks or they would keep people where they've always been and the feud that they started three weeks ago that could be – oh, hey, let's have a whole new thing and not keep the same recycled bullshit we've been doing. And they would, like, okay, example. Now would have been the time to, like, make it really interesting and forcibly put Rusev on SmackDown. Make the Bobby Lashley story somehow have to continue without Rusev directly there. And then you're like, oh, you can't have the fucking wild card rule or whatever. Yeah, deal with it. And then at pay-per-views, maybe something breaks loose. You know, gives it some realism to it. But when I can look literally and see, okay, well, 15 fucking seconds after they took the belt off of Charlotte, well, she's going to be on Raw next week and yep. probably drafted. You know, like, that's uninspired. I agree. I remember when, in my opinion, one of the coolest draft moments, and I don't even give a fuck if people think I'm a mark for saying it, John Cena being the first pick. Oh, yeah, it was a huge deal. I huge popped thing. so fucking hard. He was the champ. He had the spinner belt. He came to St. Louis. He was wearing the fucking jersey. Like, ah, that moment to this day is like I can see it in my mind's eye. And I think about this draft, and I'm like, I don't remember a goddamn thing I just watched five fucking minutes ago. What gets me is like they they want to you know sell off that all oh, these picks are important you know and you know we're trying to build a great roster. In what reason? In what world? Even even allowing for kayfabe. Even allowing for the suspension of disbelief, is Jinder Mahal a higher draft pick than The Miz or your current King of the Ring? Well, or, I mean, 
I think there are a lot of people who have this weird love for gender and they love that he got the title and it's like a, you know, really rags to riches type story. Like, I can kind of sympathize with that, but do I I think he is a higher draft pick than The Miz or, say, someone like Samoa Joe? Right. No. I don't give a fuck if Joe is hurt. Joe should have been in the fucking first round. He should have been one of the first people. And I would have had him immediately play into an angle with that. I do notice uh, they've got the seeds for a couple possible storylines and who didn't get drafted. Okay, so talk about that because I was actually going to ask you if we had a list of who did not Um, actually get drafted during this thing. I don't have an exhaustive list, but I can tell you that Cesaro did not get drafted. That's fucking ridiculous. Uh, That's a big one. Uh, AOP did not get drafted. Um, let's see if anybody else, um, I can't remember if there's any other major ones. Um, I don't think Leo Rush got drafted. Their current, uh, cruiserweight champion, even though they've got guys like Gulak and, uh, some of the other cruiserweights, Korea was a high draft pick today for some unholy reason. Um, so, like, there are a few storylines. Somebody actually mentioned to me that they want to see Cesaro go over to NXT UK and partner back up with uh, Cash Sono, which I'm all for. <laughs> I know. Yes. I was like, you'll be all about that, of course. Oh, come on. Give me the old Ring of Honor or, uh, Ring of Honor and Chikara Kings of Wrestling. Hell yeah. Even though uh, Cash Sono still, to me, looks like the guy who ate Cash Sono, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He he has he's definitely got a little bigger since he started in NXT. Uh, yeah. I was gonna say that about the undrafted thing. It's very interesting to me they would do that, leave some of their top guys undrafted, put other guys in the draft. That again, it, all the whole damn thing just doesn't make any sense. Right. Buckles, I'm so sorry you're dealing with the train of our existence right now, making its weekly appearance on at least one show I do every <laughs> single week. Um, but to speak on Leo Rush, man, I mean, I don't even, honestly, that was a nice fucking opening match for NXT this week. Yes, it was. Just, I'm going to touch on it for a second. Um, but it was confusing. Because let me tell you, when, when you got Drew Gulak that shows up on NXT, and you have, and we'll go back to the draft, don't worry, I'm just tangenting for just a quick second here, because it was just very topical. But when you have Drew Gulak from your 205 Live show up on NXT and Leo Rush 205 Live show up on NXT and then they have this match and they call it the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. They did not say WWE. They called it NXT. The WWE logo is still on it. Okay. I believe it's on there. They've got it on the app and on the website as the NXT Cruiserweight title now. So... Are they getting rid of 205 Live and this is their just like, hey, just keeping it real. We're not putting this on. Well, the last thing that I had heard was a couple of weeks ago. Actually, it was supposed to air after uh, the debut of SmackDown on Fox. It was supposed to be a new episode right then. And they canceled it, that showing at least, uh, pretty late on in the week. Uh, honestly, I don't even know if they had one this week or not. I can't remember if it was even announced for this past week. So I don't know if there's been an episode of 205 Live in like two weeks. So they haven't, I know they have not officially made any kind of announcement as to it's officially, you know, done or they're just folding it. 
but I don't know that they've had a new episode in at least two weeks now. Man, see, that's what I'm saying. It's it's a very bizarre thing, I think. Right. There's um, there's a lot of it that seems to me like they didn't really have a plan for a lot of it. Like, I get that, like, I can understand them wanting to fold uh, 205 into NXT a little bit more. But I don't, I don't buy for a second that they had planned to move NXT to Wednesday nights on USA up until AEW got a TV deal. I don't buy that for a second. Yeah, like, that's, I mean. And I think that affects 205. That affects a lot of other shit because they needed to, it, when, they bump two, when they bump NXT up to USA, that's when they start folding other shit into it to try to make it as, to pump that up as much as they can. Correct, and that's what so I'm saying. I, think I noticed, too, I think, oh, well, now yeah. it's the NXT championship, and NXT is the is the driving force, and how long before that belt has an NXT makeover, which could happen right. now that uh, Leo Rush is champ. I think I, I think we will eventually see 205 get canceled. I It may be next week. I, I mean, it could be any point in time, but I don't. I don't think that was something that they had planned to do. I think that's just something that that's becoming a casualty of NXT moving up and them not having a plan in place for it. Oh, I absolutely agree. What, to me, and it really sucks because I know 205 kind of gets a bit of a bum rap because no one really watches it. Like They, they don't reference it on, uh, on the main roster shows hardly at all unless it's, well, that guy did really well on 205 Live. Now he's here. But... The the original Cruiserweight Classic Tournament was one of the best things they produced in years. It was appointment TV for about two and a half months worth. And they did that whole division dirty by making them a feature on Raw that no one cared about. And then putting them in a death spot after SmackDown when everybody's wanting to leave. And then moving them around and just siphoning the Enzo Amore thing. Like that whole promotion they had a chance to do something really good and that was just never never capitalized on i feel like wwe is is like somebody who reaches into their freezer to get a giant like sphere of ice and they're like (laughs) okay all i have to do is take this sphere of ice put it in a cup pour my drink into the cup and drink but for some reason they are so fixated on the shape of this fucking sphere that it melts in their hands. <laughs> it literally just melts to nothing, and then they don't have a drink, then they don't have the ice, and then they're just left going, oh, I can now see why they're saying that WWE is not competition to AEW, because it's not. It's childish at this point. Right. It is really, it's... it's really souring me on their product. Like, I told Sarah and V both, I was like, it's a chore to watch Raw and it SmackDown is. right now. I actually had a, a bit of a, a bit of a epiphany with that over the weekend. Uh, you mentioned I didn't get to watch SmackDown live on Friday, which I've done for years now. I, I like to joke around just cause I have a rich full fucking oyster of a life sometimes where I have the time to watch <laughs> Raw and SmackDown every week. But this week I wasn't able to, so I had to go back and rewatch it on, uh, on Saturday. And with the stream that I found, it's split it into two parts. And after the first hour, I did not want to watch the rest of it. Like it was, I had to force myself to watch the second hour of SmackDown. 
And I legitimately, I was sitting in a hotel room with nothing better to do. And I still had to force myself to do it. You're like, well, I think I'm going to click this and I'm not sure if I'm going to be happy I did. Well, like, and I mean, there, the thing that, that continually makes me laugh is that Raw and SmackDown, they can find good things. Like they can hit on great matches. Hell, tonight there was a couple really good matches. I would even uh, say the opener was amazing. Yeah, I, I'd say honestly the uh, the tag team title match was great. Yes, the, uh, absolutely. Hell, they gave, they put uh, Cedric uh, Cedric Alexander and Buddy Murphy on my screen. That's always a win. Totally. But, but using again using the uh, Murphy and Alexander match, great match. The crowd could not give a shit less. The crowd's completely dead because the rest of the show was so fucking terrible. And like, they cannot stop tripping over their own two feet, and they'll find something good, but it's completely surrounded by garbage, hot trash. And like, you watch uh, SmackDown last week, and the Bailey heel turn was great, was yeah. well done, but the rest of the show you had to sit through it to get to there. I will say the they kind of fucked it, up Bailey's. Bailey's heel turn a little bit though. What's that? I think they fucked up Bailey's heel turn just a little bit though. And I mean uh, that because I think they didn't turn her mic on soon enough. That yeah, uh, because her, she her just little, says uh, bitches. Yeah, <laughs> it's just bitches. I'm well. She. Uh, I think they actually released. I. Th- I want to say it was on her Twitter or on on the WWE official Twitter. It was just a picture of her where it said. Uh, something bitches screw all of you, and it's like they tried to actually paraphrase what she said and put it on a tweet so you could see it. Jesus, I do like her taking the axe to the uh, the Bailey buddies. That was pretty cool. Um, the, honestly, the one uh, the one indicator that your heel turn is successful. There was a video of some dude, uh, like a, a guy watching SmackDown with his child, like a son, a young son. And he cut from, he panned the camera from Bailey, you know, going Jason Voorhees on the Bailey buddies over to his kid, like four-year-old kid who is just openly crying. Mortified (laughs) to death. Oh my God, just horrified by the whole situation. So if you can make a kid cry, then you're doing all right. See, like if they can turn Bailey, who doesn't necessarily, in my opinion, ever constitute needing to be a heel, I think she would have been perfectly fine always no, they, face why the fuck they, did they not give us a john cena heel or why the fuck will they not give us a full-blown no. roman reigns heel i just don't understand it well uh, like like i said last time i don't think you'll ever get the roman reigns full heel turn just because of the cancer thing like he yeah, is too identified with too many people cena the same thing with the make a wish they to me they had a chance they had a legitimate chance to make a female cena in bailey and just completely botched that from the start. They went back to the freezer to grab that sphere of ice, man. Yep. You're absolutely right. They put and the title on her too quick, for one. Yes. And then they oh, saddled definitely. her with that terrible bliss feud with the uh, This Is Your Life and then the kendo stick on a pole match where she wasn't even going to man up and use the kendo stick. Like It was just a unmitigated disaster from the word go with her main roster thing. And even then, she still got fan support. But they never lean into any of it, so now they're going to turn her heel because that's what they do. And they can't figure somebody out as a face because they can't write faces well. They just turn them heel. Yep, that's the next best option. So, so I, I got to ask this question. A takeaway, 
if you could say one person from Raw and one person from SmackDown that were drafted, who are the the best pickups for each brand? Um, honestly, I'm going to say Aleister Black for Raw. And okay. I'm going to say, I'm as much as I hate saying it, I'm going to say Lesnar for SmackDown. I mean, Lesnar going to SmackDown is huge, but of course he's going to SmackDown because Fox is involved, so it's That's not... That's why I say it's huge, yeah. it's They're getting who they want to... He is indicative of the show that they want to build. Exactly. So and- he's the right get for them. Um, I say Aleister Black, actually, because uh, not only is he legitimately great at everything he's done thus far, uh, word going around is that... Uh, that Heyman really wants to work with him. And Ooh. I think that is a combination I'm very interested in seeing play out. And really they did if you look at Raw's roster, what they ended up with, assuming they want to build around Rollins as the face, which for better or for worse, but they don't have a lot of top talent for him to go against right away. Um they've already done the uh Drew McIntyre, uh, Rollins feud to death. Oh, yeah. Um, and they've already done, to an extent, they've done Lashley. and So I can see them in some in some strange uh, way ending up with a Rollins versus a more heel-leaning Aleister Black. Even though I don't necessarily want to see Black as a heel, I can see him getting a main event push for it. I don't think he even needs to be a heel. He's such a mysterious character that... He oh, no, toes the line. It. He's like kind of like an anti-heel. I not change his character at all. But I can see them making him a heel to push him to the main event. Okay, I see that. I see that. Uh, before I answer about who I think were kind of the the takeaway draft picks for Raw and SmackDown both, was there a trade? Did that happen? Was there? Did I miss a trade? No, they were kind of hyping it up a little bit on social media beforehand. And there was a bit of a stinger tonight on Raw where uh, I think they, they cut back to the panel because they have to have a panel apparently during the draft show because, oh, God, why? But Booker T made a comment that he thinks there's he's heard rumor of a big trade supposed to happen in the next 24 hours, and we're going to talk about that on our WWE backstage show on FS1 tomorrow night. Oh, so, I wonder why. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to guess we're going to get a trade, some kind of a trade, and it's going to be an angle that just they're using that to run something hot, breaking news on this FS1 show. I have a list of undrafteds, by the way, if we want to awesome. get there. Let me uh, hear it. But one thing I want to – okay, before I do the undrafteds, I want to say my, my one oh, pick yeah, from yep, yep, yep. SmackDown and my one pick from Raw – uh, I would say the biggest pickup for Raw, Charlotte. I think yeah, it's, I think it's I huge for their that. women's division. I know she's been all over the place, but having her locked into that, her and Becky can do some real damage in that division, I think. I think there's some danger of that feud being overdone and when it's already kind of been overdone, but I do like that they're focusing the I think I like that they're kind of focusing the women on one roster a little bit more. Totally. Absolutely so. agree. Uh, and then I would say, and I'm, I'm surprised you didn't pick this, but Bray Wyatt to SmackDown. That was very interesting. 
I that mean, considering he's in this feud with uh, with uh, Seth Rollins, I'm very baffled by this. Well, I think they're they're going to blow off that feud at Crown Jewel. Uh, they've got a false count anywhere match, and uh, if tonight's uh, just uh, God, the end of Raw being as bad as it was, if that's any indicator, they're they're stepping on the gas to put the end of that feud coming up. Um, so I could see them just the conclusive finish to that being at Crown Jewel, and then they're just separating the two of them. Okay, that makes sense. All right, uh, so let's go through the remaining superstars. These are the people that did not get drafted. Gotcha. You've got so, so, somebody's not very good with their editing skills on CBS.com. Um, <laughs> yes, that's where I'm getting this is from CBS.com, folks. Man, we're, what, we're, we're involving a third network here. Yeah, I can't. I can't even believe that I'm saying that. But undrafted men are Cesaro, Luke Harper, Apollo Ugh. Cruz, Mojo Raleigh, No Way Jose. And like I said, their editor sucks, and you should fire their editor, uh, Luke Harper, again for some reason. He's really <laughs> now, undrafted. As a fan of Luke Harper, I would count him twice. However, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. And then we've got undrafted women: Dana Brooke, the Iconics, Sarah Logan, Fire and Desire. I'm surprised to see Fire and Desire not get drafted. Um, I actually thought they were going to end up getting it split up, but uh, uh, I think out of all of those, the one you can say I can I can pretty well tell you where she's going to end up. Sarah Logan will be on Raw with just because Liv. she's married to Eric from the Viking Raiders. Oh yeah, also also that true also as well. Undrafted main... tag teams. There are only two. AOP and who's the other? Hawkins and Ryder. Oh, <laughs> forgive me for forgetting they existed. Sorry. It's okay because it's weird because they're not really the only tag teams. They're just the only undrafted tag teams because right. there's a group called Unlisted and Draft Pools. So okay. I don't, are these people just not eligible to be drafted and will just be assigned a, a position? I think anyone who did not get drafted is considered a free agent and can sign wherever they want. I think that was the idea. Okay, so Unlisted and Draft Pools right now. Huge shocker. This team did not get picked up. How about the Usos going undrafted? That's very oh yeah I didn't even think about that. The Hardys undrafted. Well, yeah. but Jeff. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that both the Usos and the Hardys have been drafted by the correctional facilities in the recent memory. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> have you? Quick aside, have you seen the shit with the the Hardys in the last twenty four hours? No, I heard, I saw a headline that Rebby Sky is talking shit on Jeff Hardy and they're going back and forth on Twitter, but I did not I, read into it. I will, I'll give you just a quick rundown on it because it's, uh, it's sad and it's noteworthy in its own way. It wasn't okay. actually Rebby that started shit. Um, someone asked Matt a couple of weeks ago his thoughts on it when it actually went down. And Matt's like, you know, I love my brother. I support him, but he needs to get – He has that's something he's going to have to figure out because I can't fight his battles for him. And it was a very frank answer, a very honest answer, and really nothing wrong with it. Um, it, it reads as someone who's got a family member that's going through an addiction that they're, they've tried to help with and they're not getting anywhere with. But uh, what ended up starting it all off was – uh, Jeff Hardy's wife uh, 
got a hold of that tweet and just went and went off on Matt for, oh, you shouldn't be airing our family's dirty laundry and you're just using him to get your name out there, blah, 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 blah. Whoa. And Rebby went off on her. Um, and Whoa. if you've followed Rebby Hardy in any stretch of the world, uh, when Rebby goes off on somebody on Twitter, it's, uh, to quote Tom Cruise, it's scorched earth, motherfucker. Yeah, she does not play. So, no, she uh, she absolutely went in dry on uh, Jeff's wife, and it's a really ugly situation, honestly, and it's all perpetuated by Jeff being a well, being a dumbass, essentially. Yeah. But, yeah, that's been an interesting, interesting uh, 24-hour span. Totally. Uh, also unlisted in the draft pool. He was shown on Raw this week, though, in some weird fucking bit with some bar pub thing. Seamus. Oh, Seamus, yeah. Uh, you said it, Leo Rush. Uh, Naomi was undrafted. Laura Sullivan, no surprise there. Yeah. Lana, she's going to be on Raw. Let's just be right. real. She's a poker chip right now. Right. I'm uh, guessing uh, Naomi is probably in the same vein as she'll end up wherever the Usos end up. Yeah, totally, just based on the um, marriage to who Jimmy. You said after uh, Sheamus is kind of in limbo as to whether or not he's ever going to wrestle again. Really? Did you, Have you not heard that? No, he's got some, like, edge-like spinal issues. Oh, shit, stenosis like, that's and why, spinal degradation. Yeah, that's why he hasn't been around since the bar broke up. Damn. His, uh, he's still doing his, you know, Celtic Warrior workouts, but I think he's been kind of stepping away from wrestling, actively wrestling. Let's talk about this guy. He has requested his release, by the way. Mike Kanellis. Uh, I was just reading that a little bit ago, yeah. Also, Maria Kanellis undrafted, but if she's really got a baby bump, then that makes sense. Well, the the problem with it is they requested their release earlier this year, didn't get it, re-signed a deal in July. So, like, I've, I've read Canellis's, his tweet, you know, why, why he wants out. You know, he feels like he's got more in the tank and, the, you know, being working one day a week isn't, you know, something he perceive, believes his life needs to be. And made the comment that he doesn't feel like it's setting a good example for his daughter, which I can buy. I actually kind of feel for him in his tweet, but at the same time, man, I feel for you in that, they're, they really did you dirty on the angle. That was the worst burial we've seen in a long time. Oh but, man, it was awful. But you signed you 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 signed the extended contract. You wanted out, and then you signed the contract again. You signed the extension. I hate saying it, man, but you're kind of stuck. They're not. I I highly doubt they release him. I don't think the WWE really cares that much. Uh, they're not going to use him really in one way or the other, but I don't, and I don't see them as thinking he's going to be some threat to him at AEW. But I, I don't see them releasing him. I don't see them releasing anybody really. No, they're going to hold on to all their chips as best they can because anything that falls through the cracks is going to become gold in AEW. Right. Matter of fact, I think I saw a comment earlier was like uh, Mike Kanellis requests his release. Not only does he get denied, they added six months to Luke Harper's contract. <laughs> yeah, I, which again, 
I mean, I have been a Luke Harper fan for years, so that that kills me. But oh, they actually actually added six more months to his contract. Well, the story went that he requested his release back around uh, Mania. Actually, he wow. came back from injury right around Mania. Had a great match with uh, Dijakovic at one of their Worlds Collide things, one of their live events, and uh, requested his release after that. And then they just paid him to sit on the couch for six months. They wouldn't. They wouldn't honor his release. And then that's, the rumor was that they had told him that they were going to uh, add back onto his contract the time that he had spent off injured, like he had been gone for eight months with injury. So they were going to tack on eight months to his contract. That's ridiculous. And still, yeah, I mean, still pay him, but tack on eight months while we're paying you to sit on your ass. That's why it was such a big surprise for him to show back up with Harper or with the. Uh, with uh, Rowan uh, a couple weeks ago. But it seems like that's short-lasting now as well. Well, he's uh, Rowan's on Raw, so we'll see where that goes. Totally. We've also got uh, the forgotten one, Nia Jax. I forgot she even existed. Holy shit. Is she... She's still injured, isn't she? Or is she still rehabbing? I think she had, like, knee surgery. Yeah, I think so too. Mickey James, who's been doing some commentary for something or other. Yeah, they've had her. I want to say main event, maybe either main event or. Yeah, uh, it's main event with Byron Saxton. Like oh, is that where Saxton ended up? Yeah, that's all he's doing. Ugh. Uh, Ruby Riot, personal favorite of mine. She's still out injured. I yep. actually was reading her Twitter feed earlier today. Alicia Fox. Um, ah, jobber. <laughs> She's uh, she's about where the where you're gonna find uh, Eric Young that kind of thing. The Ascension. I I honestly have nothing on them. I I won't say that I'm not a huge. I was never a huge fan of them even in NXT. So I I can't say I followed them much. But sure. Yeah, I, I completely forgot they were even still with the company. And lastly, the Colons or the Colognes. Sorry. See also the Ascension, <laughs> same. Th- they, I think the uh, Primo and Epico are the New Age uh, JTG. Oh, nice crime time. Yep the uh, the damn why I pick up my phone thing. Keeping a countdown of yep they haven't fired me yet. <laughs> uh, part timer likely ineligible. There are four names on this list. Can you name any of these four? Let's see part timers likely in- ineligible. Batista, uh, Triple H, Angle technically hasn't retired. Well, no, I guess he did technically retire. Um, Lita and Trish, maybe? No, I appreciate your guesses. You got zero of zero. Damn. Cain uh, Velasquez is one. Okay, okay. Ronda Rousey is one. All right. John Cena is one. They haven't listed as a part-timer, huh? Correct. And the dead one, The Undertaker. Undertaker. Yeah, that's very true. I think those are all probably just special attractions. Although, I know Velasquez signed like a four, three or four-year contract, I want to say, that they actually announced it. So, that may be something that they address. I could see them running a storyline after the Crown Jewel thing of which brand is he going to sign with. Um, Cena and Undertaker, they'll just show up as needed. I get the feeling. 
Oh yeah, for sure. What are your Jury's feelings? I need to ask this question now that we're kind of out of the draft because, like I said, it was kind of lackadaisical this year, man. There's nothing that really shakes me to my core. Right. Um. Yeah. I, I the only honestly the only notable thing to come out of the draft nights, other than the 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 nothing burger that was the drafts themselves, were Bailey's heel turn and then the uh, the Firefly Funhouse tonight. What in the shit was uh, that? I, I I'm still kind of mentally processing how bad that was. Like they would okay if you haven't seen it. Rollins starts the show off by saying, I'm going to go fiend hunting, which, okay, that's a thing that was said. Um, They don't mention it at all the rest of the night, other than to say there's going to be another Firefly Funhouse. Bray comes out and talks for maybe 15 seconds, doesn't say much of anything, and then Rollins shows up in the Funhouse. So they're completely torpedoing the mystique that it is this magical place. It's not like there was a theory that it was that the fun house was in Bray's mind. It's just the, it's his safe place. It's his, you know, where his demons hide and where he is, you know, home safe. No, it's just a backstage place. Rollins broke in through stage, right? (laughs) And then takes the paintings off the wall and takes his pictures down and then just Randy Orton's a table over to it. And I don't mean throws a throws a Singh brother through it. He sets it on fire and then yell says burn it down and we get we get creepy Bray Wyatt laughs over it. Because we didn't already do that exact thing with Sister Abigail. It's, it's just, so tired. It's so tired and it's 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 breaking the fourth wall in a way that absolutely should not be happening. It's further damaging the Fiend character's uniqueness to me. It's 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 still just screams of WWE having something very unique and very interesting on its hands and then just WWEing it up. It's Kane is a demon now. He's the devil's favorite demon. He's an actual demon. What does he do? Well, we don't really we, we don't really have a way to portray that. So we have to just abandon that. It is now we have this supernatural, really nuanced, intricate character of Bray Wyatt, and uh now he's just he's he's the fiend's easy to find. He's just hanging out by catering. It's just like completely Tone death. I think that if they don't give Bray a, a belt within the next three years or the the last remaining time of his contract, he'll be a casualty of all this and end up in AEW, and that might really shift the tide. I see. I don't know. Um, I don't know that. I, I'm not saying AEW wouldn't take him. I don't know that he would go to AEW. Honestly, his he's got a ton of family and legacy with WWE. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I know IRS is a daddy. Bo well, Dallas still is works his there. brother. They both still work there. I know, I get it, I understand. Not but saying, Bray not saying is I wouldn't Bray's love own man. Not saying I wouldn't love it. He's got a couple really big champions that he did great work with in 
John Moxley, aka Dean Ambrose, mm-hmm. and La Champion Chris Jericho. Oh, I absolutely agree. Just saying there, and there's money to be made there, man. And at the end of the mm-hmm. day, you know, sure Bray, you know, he's still young and in the game, but he's gonna start getting into the twilight at some point, man. No, and I need to. And need to find a contingency plan that can get him out of wrestling and keep his body healthy. And it's not working 300 days out of the year. Just saying. Again, I, I'm not saying I would not enjoy the hell out of that. Because I think they do a really good job and let him have free reign with it. However, I don't know that he would. I, I don't know if I'd see him leaving. I think I could see him being a brand guy. Yeah, I'm at so. respect for brand guys. I mean, Taker's a brand guy and... He has a and legacy, Reigns, you know. I said, obviously, Cena and Reigns both are now. What's up? Um, I said Cena and Reigns both are now. Oh yeah, totally, totally, absolutely. Sean so. is a legacy guy. You know, he never left. Uh, did you hear about Brett? By the way, uh, nothing recently. So, oh, huh. I think he said on Twitter to Kevin Nash that he could go to hell or fuck himself or something like that. Yeah, that sounds like a Brett thing to say. Because I guess that Sean Waltman, a.k.a. Pac, X-Pac, Six-Pac, depending on original Pac, depending on how you want to look at it, um, was joking with Kevin Nash about uh, Brett telling them that the screw job was all a work. Oh, God. And Brett, like, took it super personal and... You know. Yeah, because Brett is never going to let that go. He will hold a grudge for the rest of his life because that's what Brett does. Absolutely, I love man. the guy. I love the wrestler, but Brett Hart <clears throat> seems like just a bitter man. Totally, and I think it for him being a bitter man. I think he has every reason to be when it comes to wrestling. The wrestling industry uh, has taken yeah. a lot from him. I agree. I definitely agree. Um. And he was the casualty of WCW. He ended up, I mean, getting retired by Goldberg on a bad kick. Like, you know, he's he's absolutely got reasons to be bitter. But there's still, he. it's the fact that he will not allow any of it to be let go. Like, he will take it to his grave. I honestly think that. No, I think but, you're right. It's um, It's unfortunate. It is. It definitely is unfortunate, but that's that's Bret Hart the person. That's his own journey. You know, I will right. say his book is one of my all time favorite books ever that I've ever read. I need, to, I need to get a copy of this. I don't believe I've read that. It's uh, my real life in the cartoon world of professional wrestling. I think, or something like that, or it's some play on that phrase. Okay, uh, but it is just detailed stories, behind the scenes stuff. You just get a feel for the guy's life in a different manner altogether. And uh, another book, if you're a big wrestling fan, you haven't read it. Read Jericho's first book. It's absolutely stunning. You mentioned that to me last time, yeah. I do need to get a copy of that. I haven't had a chance to even pick up anything of late, so I definitely will keep my eye on that. I need to see if they've got an audio book for it, maybe. Ooh, hey, it is the future. (laughs) Well, I've got an Audible subscription, so I might as well use the damn thing. Hey, there you go, there you go. But overall, um, man, I thought that the most recent Raw and SmackDown while the draft was happening, happening like, all in all, kind of a shit sandwich. It's two yeah. child's play. Yeah, I agree. They've lost touch. It, it's it's telling to me that with, the, with AEW hitting very strongly in their first two episodes 
and WWE having as much at stake. And really, I mean, they don't have really anything to lose. They've already made their money with Saudi Arabia and with the Fox deal and everything. But with their reputation at stake in the last two weeks, have conclusively shit the bed on everything but NXT. I mean, it's sad when you look at NXT and you're like, man, they put on a hell of a show every week. But in the ratings, they still got squashed. I mean, yeah. even, even this week in the ratings, both Wednesday night shows went up against MLB Baseball. So viewership was down naturally. Right. But it was still, I mean, AEW still pulling a mil plus. Definitely. What happens when viably, because it's going to happen at some point, I feel. what To you, what's going to happen when... Wednesday night, they're doing numbers that are almost as big, if not bigger, than your SmackDowns and your Raws. What's what's WWE's contingency then? When AEW is? or Yeah, when, when AEW rises to that level, because it's inevitable. I I don't know. Um, I, I hesitate to say that Vince is going to step in and try to uh, have influence over NXT because they've gone on record multiple times as saying that's not going to happen. Like they've as much as said, Vince will not will be hands off with the show. This is still Triple H's baby, and I think that Triple H is the type that will stay the course with what with what he'll dance with what brought him, and he believes in what NXT does, and still NXT puts on a great show. Oh, absolutely, no question. I don't think I don't think that NXT is so much driven by ratings. Um, I think any ratings that USA gets is still better than what they were showing on Wednesday nights anyway. And I don't think USA network is not competing with AEW. So USA network doesn't care that it's losing to AEW as long as they're generating positive ratings. True. Now, if AEW is topping raw and SmackDown, I think that's the, that needs to be an indicator that Raw and SmackDown need to up their game. But as we've discussed, that's already something that needs to happen. Uh, I don't think that... I think that AEW will get there. Um, I think it's... it. AEW needs to show that they can consistently book week in, week out. I think they're doing a good job of that so far. So I think there is a legitimate chance they get that high. And when it comes down to it, I don't have a clue what WWE will do. Because the only thing you can predict of WWE doing anymore at this point is they'll, they're willing to try something, but it's likely going to be the wrong thing. And they're going to shit the bed doing it for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, looking what were at your, the, uh, I was going to say, what were your thoughts on this week's uh, AEW? What are my I thoughts on AEW week, yeah. this week, man? Uh, well, honestly, coming into the week, I was really looking forward to AEW. Like, it's got me into wrestling again in such a way that I've not been energized, especially talking about the current product of WWE and how they're consistently shooting the bed, with the exception, as we've discussed, of NXT, which is consistently slaying it. Right. Um, but AEW this week, man, uh, first match, absolute barn burner. Yep. Like, 
private party young bucks tore the fucking house down. Absolutely, they made did. the absolute perfect call, in my opinion. Oh yeah, on who I to love, put over there. Love the idea of putting private party over on them. I love that thought. And uh, really, between that and dark, private party had themselves a hell of a good week. They had a coming out party this week. Absolutely. Uh. And then you look at the se- the first segment of the night, which was the Inner Circle debut. Mm-hmm. And let me just say, man, that Jericho is the master of just off the top of his head, no bullshit, just shooting yep. straight. And he was so brilliant with his ability to weave in real feuds happening on the show. Right. Real things in wrestling, in the world of wrestling, in multiple facets, he was not afraid to cover some things, and he broke ground being, I'm pretty sure, the first professional wrestler on normal TV to say shit and not be censored. I, You know, because you see how excited he was to do that? Yeah. Like, he was just, he was waiting like a kid on Christmas. To, he knew he was going to get to say shit. And it was just over the moon to do it. I mean... Between... Oh, God. Between that and uh, just absolutely killing the uh, We the People chant in the womb. <laughs> we the People is stupid and it was made by dumb creative bad, and that's Bad creative. Dead it's buried. dead now. Oh. Oh, God. My heart. I love it. Uh, and then, like I said, he, he uh, talked about... Uh, Jake Hager being a real undefeated UFC level mm-hmm. fighter or MMA fighter, sorry, um, and that's a shoot. You know, I was using like, the term Damn. shoot. Yep. I. Uh, oh, real quick. Um, sure. One thing I did, I wanted to touch on with the draft thing. Uh, I completely spaced it until just now. You and I mentioned it uh, uh, on Messenger during the show. What the fuck is happening with? Uh, Viking Raiders name dropping IWGP and Ring of Honor on a WWE promo. <laughs> where the hell did that come from? Fearlessness, and I think that we're in an era now where it's ignorant to act like other companies don't exist. Don't I, I agree? WWE tried that for a really long time with TNA, the avoidance of saying it, and I think then mm-hmm. at some point around the time they were working with the Hardys and they were trying to get AJ's like back catalog and stuff. You started right. getting the name drops of TNA and stuff, and talking about former TNA champion, of course. Oh, they brought in they brought in Dixie Carter to do a bit. But, yeah, absolutely. Oh. But at that time, it was no longer TNA. They were just calling it Impact Wrestling. So then it has right. its own like side rub. But at least WWE had some acknowledgement. So right. I think they said, "Look, if you're gonna fucking say it, just say it. It's it's right. real. They it's just... have been ROH champs. They were New Japan oh. champs. Like, why run from I'm... it?" Honestly, that may have been the most notable thing of the night for me. Yeah, but, uh, I agree, and it was cool. It, I popped. I popped honestly when the, when the Viking definitely. Raiders, War Raiders, fuck you guys. I'm calling them all the War Raiders. When the War Raiders won the Raw titles, definitely. I was like, fuck yes, they actually did that. Like, cool. Like, okay, you did that right. Good. Ugh. Um. But yeah, I, I I had I almost forgot about that until you mentioned the uh, uh, the bad creative and mentioning another company. So I had to get off that with uh, 
with Jericho. No, smart. Very, very smart here. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure the next thing that happened on AEW was the Darby Havoc match. Uh, I've got the matches listed out here. I didn't have the uh, segment, so I know that I have the Havoc and Darby Allen match was the next match that came on. Yeah, and that was uh, really good. I think you made a really good point, though, that Jimmy Havoc's style lacks when it's not geared towards right. hardcore. Like Havoc, I've seen him in enough different stuff that he's not a bad wrestler by any means, but he is so much more expressive and so much more of a better character when he's doing hardcore stuff. So, I mean, I get the idea that it would pigeonhole him, but at the same time, that's what he is best at. And sometimes sometimes you a trope or a stereotype is created for a reason. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I will say that I love that they're taking the risk with Darby Allen. I do too. I uh, I don't I, I don't I think mean, there's much chance of him winning. Dating it, all the way I back to him it. at Fight for the Fallen against Cody. Yep. And he uh, hell he put on a banger match with Shima on uh, Dark too. Yes, we we I don't know. Did we mention that in the first hour? I can't remember. Uh, no, because that was uh, again our uh, our. <laughs> Our first hour actually lasted something like three and a half. So, yeah, there wasn't. I didn't get to watch anything until Wednesday. Man, that was hardcore. We had a hardcore rough evening, but we've got our recording situation figured out. So right. the second hour is more smooth. That's probably what you're going to get consistently through this season. I, yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, man, it was a. Uh, like I said, Darby Allen getting the nod and going up against Jericho. They're going to have a Philadelphia street fight. This Wednesday on AEW because they are in Philly. Did you uh, happen to see Darby's promo that came out? Little uh, uh, video promo that came out today. No, I saw it, but I did not actually click it and watch it yet. Uh, it's the first time I think I've ever actually heard him cut an honest to god promo. And uh, there's some uh, Jake Roberts in there actually. Oh, he's shit. very, he's very soft spoken. Um. Like it's it's very quiet and uh I honestly I love the I love the the content of it. Um he talks about being an underdog and how Jericho doesn't rate him as anything, doesn't view him as anything, and that Jericho needs to be humbled and what better to humble than humble him than losing to somebody that he views as nothing. I'm not gonna lie, um, if they do that, which I wouldn't put it past them, it might be the most shocking moment in modern wrestling history. I agree. I will agree. And it uh, could be the thing say, they need to push themselves to a new echelon of wrestling. The last bit about his promo, uh, I would definitely recommend watching it. He has a killer line at the end, which is good for any promo. But he talks about, you know, he wants to go come out of the ring the same way he went in. He wants to be the same person. He doesn't want the big head that Jericho's got. The title isn't what gives him the high. He says, the blood on your blood on my hands will be my high. Oh, I, like, I love it. Oh my god. So, dude, they've uh, they've got a star in the making with him. Whether or not they cash it in this time, which I I'm kind of wondering because with the full gear Cody fight coming up that they've already built some into, I don't know that they're going to put the belt on Darby. I kind of think it, it the the it's a little foregone conclusion in my mind, but again, like you said, if they if they go with Darby, then it does make it a much bigger of a shock moment, and it also sets up uh, the Cody versus Darby rematch. 
Absolutely. So we'll see. I mean, I don't know, man. It's one of those things, and it could be a really huge thing for them. But uh, moving past that, what do we have after that? My brain is just... We had the uh, Emmy Sakura and Bea Priestley uh, versus Britt Baker and Riho. That's right, Britt Baker and Riho, who are going to be going head-to-head this week on Dynamite. For the title, that's right. For the title, uh, tagging up. And uh, actually, I think they had mentioned that the only loss on Britt Baker's record or Riho's record was tagging with Britt Baker. Right. So it's, that uh, was interesting. And then did, I think they ended up winning this match, though, right? I believe so. I think, yeah, Baker and Riho did win it uh, because uh, Baker busted at her new uh, r- the, the combination Rings of Saturn Mandible Claw submission. Yeah, that's awesome. Which, which I kind of dig the dentist going for the jaw. That's uh, that's a nice touch. A little on the uh, nose, but I love it. Um, it's the first appearance of B Priestley on uh, Dynamite as well, and I think... She's got a pretty good future ahead of her. She's really she's not been in the game that long, but she's got a definitely she's definitely got a lot of potential to her. Uh, after that, we had the Sean Spears Moxley match. That was awesome. Was it definitely was? Um, I'm still kind of on the fence with Spears. I like him, but I I still don't see him as anything more than a mid carder at best. Like. If they had a mid-card title, I think that's who you would want to put it on. He's a great intercontinental-level guy. But I don't. I still have a hard time buying him as somebody that's a threat to someone who's seen in the main event, seeing like a Moxley. Do so, you think it's going to be the AEW television title that they would create then? I think eventually they, they are going to have a mid-card title at some point. I don't know how long it'll be. Um I don't see them going with the TV title necessarily because they've already shown they're willing to defend the main titles on TV. True. So I would just see, I could see more of an intercontinental thing. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but again, great match. Um, I'm trying to remember, did uh, Moxley went over? But um, Yeah, and then the ending angle was what kind of overshadowed it a little bit, which was, again, great. You had Pac on uh, commentary, right? He comes off commentary. Well, you get first. You get uh, uh, Omega walking down the ramp with the bat and the broom covered That's in barbed right. wire. Yes. Which great shout out to the cleaner for using the barbed wire broom. That's a first. Oh yeah, I love him tossing the bat to Moxley. Fair game. I love. Yeah, they. I like that because it's like if we're gonna go. We're gonna go fair. Mm-hmm. And then Pot comes down and just just absolutely bullseyes Omega in the back of the head with the with the rim of the chair. Woo! That looked wasn't painful. a headshot. wasn't a headshot, but it, they sure as <clears> hell <throat> made it look good. Oh yeah. Um. And then uh, you had Moxley picking up the bat and looks like he was contemplating it, but wouldn't go for the uh, the cheap shot. Wouldn't go for the hitting a downed opponent with it. Well, and announce for what's going to be, if you're listening on debut of this episode, tonight's episode of Dynamite, you've got Moxley and Pac teaming up against right. Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. Which should be amazing. Absolutely. One. Oh, speaking of Moxley, did you hear the other news? 
the New Japan thing? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was... Uh, I was actually looking forward to coming home and watching uh, King of Pro Wrestling today. I didn't get off at work in time, but... Yeah, uh, the... Was it Cyclone or the... Uh, not Cyclone, the... Uh, uh, typhoon. Yeah, Typhoon. Uh, sorry, any of the natural disasters that they've named, uh, you know, the Fred Ottman and the WWE was named after frequently. Um, no, yeah, the, he he could make it, and uh, Zack Sabre Jr. couldn't make it to the show. And at the time, he was supposed to be defending the uh, IWGP U.S. title against uh, Juice Robinson. And New Japan's pretty much in the past, every time they've had it come up where... If you were booked for a show, if you're a champion booked for a show and you don't make it, they will strip you of it. Like, that wasn't just a Moxley thing. They've done it in the past. But, uh, yeah, they took it off of him, and I guess uh, uh, Lance Archer ended up uh, going against uh, Robinson and taking the belt. So, first time I think I've seen Lance Archer with the uh, New Japan top title. Interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I what are your feelings on uh, on uh, Pot getting added to that? Do you think they'll make that a three way, or are they going to hold off on that, or what do you think? Hold on, what was that question again? You've got you already have uh, uh, Omega and Je- Omega and uh, Moxley set up for full gear. Correct. That's the next pay per view. That's the match they wanted to build to. Do you think they're going to insert Pac into that? No, not yet. I think it's all in time. I think this is a long game for Pac. You know, he and Kenny have beef because of uh, mm-hmm. All Out, right? He filled right. in for Moxley. Well, there's also the the storyline that he's undefeated, that Pac's undefeated and not getting his title shot yet. I love that. I love that he brought that up. Mm-hmm. That Darby Allen's getting a title shot and I'm not. Right. Um, I do want to, uh, I did want to mention something I noticed a couple of days ago that with the booking of that tag match for this week, um, blending the two feuds together in a way that you have beef between Pac and Hangman, you have beef with, uh, with, uh, Kenny and Moxley. So you put them in an undercard tag match to beef up your next uh, pay-per-view. That is a kind of a tried and true element of New Japan's booking. That's how they almost always do their their pay-per-views or their shows leading up to the pay-per-views is they'll have a couple people who are feuding in a tag match and then the next show, that'll be the main event. And the only reason reason I bring it up is that the Young Bucks and Kenny and Cody, all the guys who spent so much time in New Japan, are the ones booking the shows now. So I'm kind of wondering if they're if they're following along in that footsteps, if they're kind of taking their booking cues from what they learned over in Japan. Oh, definitely. I think that it's got to influence them to some degree. Right. You know? I mean, I think, I think it's they, a nice touch. Not really their stomping grounds. Well, for Kenny, it is, but right. But I think that's a kind of a nice touch, honestly. Yeah, same. It kind of goes back to the heart of uh, an old school, more traditional style of pro wrestling. Definitely. Love it. Uh, so, so after the uh, Spears and Moxley, we have Jericho and Guevara versus Dustin and Hangman Page. Dustin Rhodes and Hangman Page. All hell broke loose. Right. 
I'm I don't know if I'm a big fan of having the, the huge brawl to end both shows two nights or two weeks in a row, but I also understand they're they're building feuds from scratch, so that that kind of makes sense. Totally, and I think they're building, and I mean it's interesting because in hour one, spoiler alert, we were talking about how it's possible they were going to create a faction around Jericho. They did. Yep. Um, prediction check. We've done it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's it's it is interesting though because I feel like there is more to that. I feel like more people are going to be added to that stable, and it uh, is possible. Possibly more people are going to be added to the elite of some sort, if not the elite um, fully disassembling. I think you're more likely to have the elite disassembling because now they're teasing uh, that Hangman's got some some uh, issues. Like he's feeling left out of things. Yeah. Um, but I think the... I know there's a little bit more to that stable. Uh, right after uh, last week's AEW or last week's Dynamite, uh, Hager got interviewed uh, off the record um, and was talking about how Jericho had actually recruited him, had called him specifically to come to AEW. Really? Um, and that was what he's like, yeah, when Jericho calls you, you say yes. So totally. I'm, and I know that he'd also had a role in bringing Guevara in. So I'm kind of wondering if all – it seemed like a kind of a random pairing to have the LAX guys and Guevara – Jericho and Hangman or in a, in a Hager all in one stable was kind of kind of felt thrown together a little bit but at the same time there is some actual there may be some reality to there where that's all the guys that Jericho wanted brought in for him like and those are the guys that Jericho Jer- went went out and recruited for AEW himself and I tell you Jericho is kind of a mastermind he could bring in okay I want to have all the guys that I brought in in a stable because then right. when it breaks up they'll go do huge things Right. And it's all tried and true because they got my rub in a certain way, and Jericho exactly. can kind of have his hand exactly, in the cookie yeah. pot. Cookie pot? Is that even a thing? <laughs> cookie, yeah, cookie jar? jar, cookie pot, yeah, same thing. You can yeah. put cookies in a pot. I see, I see nothing wrong with that. No, you can put pot in cookies, though. <laughs> what you say is true. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry, um, that was funny. So, like the, so the match ends. They have the angle where... Uh, they uh, run in city. Basically you have uh, run ins from LAX. You have run ins from the different groups. Cody, they lights come off. Cody comes in. Uh, MJF runs in. Almost kind of, we have a trail card seemed like they, they, they tease it and go away from it again, which I'm loving the fact that they're even teasing it. Um, it kind of felt a little, like WCW ish, where that's just run in after run in after run in, but then you have Darby Allen come flying down on a skateboard and jumping off that to dive into Jericho, and all is forgiven. That I'm I'm coolest. sold. <laughs> and you finish for all the elite stuff. You finish by hyping up the ti- the title match next week with Darby Allen. All of that, and Darby gets the rub out of it. I love it. Absolutely, and then Jericho cut an after the show promo on Darby. Calling mm-hmm. him a self-righteous son of a bitch for running down the ring with a yep. skateboard, yep, and attacking him, and it was just like, you know, I they're doing it right, man. They're making wrestling what I remember wrestling being, and they're doing it in such a way that it's heartfelt and believable, and and the intention is right, and I think that that has a lot to do with it. You know, there's not 
for so many years, I think fans have started to really feel the Vince McMahon fatigue. Right. And uh, we're finally the, coming out of that. Yeah. It, it's it's saying something that that AEW is... It's not just feeling old school to me. It is. It's. It actually evokes a lot of WCW to me. A lot of, and it's not just Shivani being there. It's not just that, you know. It's a on TNT. There's something about it that's got. It kind of captures the same vibe as WCW had, where it's guys you might not know as well. You've got smaller guys. They're doing the run. There's big, big angles. And not just these self-contained storylines that WWE just rinses and repeats. So it feels different than WWE, and that's a great, great thing for them to have. Could be their best trait. They're not WWE. I, think so. I definitely think so. Uh, and really, you mentioned. I'm glad you bring up the the uh, the the feeling of WWE being kind of the same, and the Vince McMahon fatigue, and and having something that feels different because you asked me originally if we wanted to talk about it there's another show that came out last week uh that is very very different that was nwa power what's that i said it's a thousand percent different oh absolutely nwa power Uh, uh billy corgan's vision finally being realized on youtube uh I know I got to watch it the day after on Wednesday. Did you got a chance to watch it as well? Yeah, I think I watched it. Okay, so you and I I'm trying to remember how this all went down. <clears throat> you and I did the podcast on Tuesday night, right? And I like literally walked out of the comic room and I was like, I'm not fucking trying to edit that right now because my brain hurts. <laughs> not because you did anything wrong, but as you know, we just there, had like it was a very a, it was stressful a endeavor. There, there was a, there was some messing going on there. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's a whole other story for a different day about how I'm an, a wizard of editing and no one will <laughs> ever know how much that call did not sound like what it sounds like now. Right. <laughs> but, I had like in 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 a, in a little bit of fiddle like fuck it I got to go do anything but I shut everything down I walked into the into the living room and I was like I'm going to go take a shower I'm just going to go like reset myself and I grabbed my phone and the first two things that popped up on my phone were AEW Dark and TNA or not TNA Jesus NWA Power right and honestly I put on Power first and I watched I the too. first match and the first segment and then, like, Eli Drake's segment. And then I shut it off. And I was like, I'm going to go back to that. And then, not going to lie, I still haven't gone back to it. Not because I didn't want to. But I literally got, I, I just was like, I'm going to watch a few minutes of AEW Dark. Pretty yeah, sure that yeah. first match was Seema Darby Allen, right? That's correct, yes. <laughs> And it drew me in, and I was like, oh, fuck, this is too good. I'm back in AEW. It's just, it's like I never left. And it's really crazy because it's like an Honest, extension yeah. of Dynamite. Honestly, uh, I watched, I got out, I went into work the next day on Wednesday, and I watched uh, Power on my lunch break. And then I came home and watched uh, Dark before, uh, uh, before NXT came on. Nice. And. Well, NXT and Dynamite came on, so I got to see both. But I honestly, 
I really enjoyed the hell out of uh, Power, surprisingly, more than I thought I would. Um, because, honestly, the really super, super old school, the WCCW, um, I didn't quite get into that as much. But watching it back, there was so much actual light. You could see the passion that people had for it in that in that style. Um, for those of you guys who haven't watched it yet, it is a studio show. It is a studio wrestling show. So, I mean, there's only like probably 100 seats there. Uh, they cut promos live in front of the crowd. There's a desk for them to cut promos at. They're interviewed. It's lo-fi as shit. God, and, you nailed it. WCCW is yeah. exactly like, and also it's got some of uh, what was Crockett's other promotion? Well, I mean, NWA was the other one. Uh, Mid South. Mid South. Thank you. It, yeah, it, it has some Mid South vibes too. Well, I mean, it doesn't hurt that it's being that Cornette's calling it. Correct. That doesn't hurt at all. Um, but I mean, they they have like the little laser beams going on in the back. The, the it was so like. The filming of it is lo-fi as hell. It looks like it's on VCR, nineteen eighty-one. And I love their their intro. The like the logo intro is old school well, you know, feeling. Do you know who does their who did their uh, their theme song? I don't know. It's fucking Dokken. Really? I swear to God, that's amazing. Yes, it's it's brilliant in its own way, and I I don't know how long they want. They're going to go with it. I don't know. Talking about the show, not talking. But I I think Corbin or Billy Corgan's trying to use the show's popularity on YouTube to try to shop it to networks. I think it's his plan. That's not a bad idea. But it's no, it's not a bad idea at all. But so far, the return on it, the YouTube went nuts over it. Like they got, I want to say, a few thousand views within the first couple hours. Damn, that's um, incredible. And given that their roster is tiny, paper and full of like, oh yeah, it's and it's the it's it's all uh, TNA castoffs. It's Cowboy James Storm, Eli Drake, and Allison K, and uh, uh, fucking uh, who else? Um, oh yeah, uh, Aldis, Nick Aldis, as their uh, NWA champion, and. Honestly, the the coolest thing to me about the show, um, they opened with a promo from Aldis. Who the background in him, he was Magnus in Magnus in uh, Impact, TNA and Impact. And personally, I find the guy to be as dull as dishwater. He is bland as hell. Dull as dishwater. I love that. Promo. I'm using that one now. Um, he is just bland, bland, bland. Comes out and cuts a great promo uh just putting over nwa and the tradition of the show and uh how it's you know for real men who want to be real wrestlers and not entertainers and then later on in the show he has his match against uh uh tim storm who uh has a great story and he's been part of it the keeping nwa alive for years now and has a hell of a match and I'm going, you know what? I don't like all this, but I'm buying into all of this. I'm, I'm actively enjoying everything. I've never enjoyed a damn thing he's done. Damn. So that's, and again, and it's a show that's not marketed towards what I 
look for in wrestling mostly. I the the retro lo-fi thing isn't I wouldn't think would be something that would drag me in, but I loved the hell out of it. I thought it was great. Well, and here's here's a little interesting note for you. Right now, NWA Power episode one has four hundred and ten thousand views. Isn't that awesome? That is just for those of you who are interested in numbers and how weekly shows, and I know it's going to be a little bit different, so don't compare and contrast it all the same. But the being the elite episodes max get like a hundred and seventy-five k, right? And that's for a show, for Power being a show that has no commercial promotion whatsoever. You're not going to see a commercial for it on TV. You know, you're not going to find ad space devoted to it in. ESPN or Bleacher Report or anything like that. There's no promoting power behind it other than word of mouth whatsoever. Well, and I think and fans like us that are that just well. like, holy shit, this is right. old school product Absolutely. that just like is refreshing as fuck. It really is. Because it's like, um, it, it gives you the vibes of the, like, you, world-class championship wrestling. You just nailed it. Like, mm-hmm. I just, 100%, man. I can just see Ric Flair, like, behind a desk. Oh, I when when they showed the uh, when they showed that set the the just the set of having everybody like where they were doing their interviews at and had somebody walking up with a microphone to him. First thing I thought it was the Dusty Rhodes Hard Times promo because it's almost it looks like you could be done right next to it. Absolutely, they put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. If you're if you're a fan of old school wrestling at all, if you grew up in wrestling, if you're a fan of the Crockett promotions, that kind of thing, make a point to check that out because it will blow you away. 1,000%. And again, that's it's part of that lineup now. We talked about it before where Raw on Monday, you know, the Wednesday Night Wars, you know, SmackDown's on Friday. Now you got a fairly loaded roster on Tuesdays. Well, with AEW Dark, Power. You have AEW Dark, you have Power, you have, that's when Impact's going to start airing is going to be on Tuesdays on Access now. So Tuesdays are suddenly becoming very full. Wrestling time right now to be a fan, it's it's it literally is insane. I think it's indicative mm-hmm. of this episode with how long it's going to be. You know, there's so much to cover in two weeks' time. I've a uh, I've got something to add to that. Once we finish up with the uh, the normal shows, the big shows, I've got something I wanted to add to that. Sure. In terms of it, and it'll it'll lead into my my top five. I've got some things I I don't even know if I've had a chance to talk to you about. Sure. Sure. Um, sure. But you you touched on AEW Dark, um, and honestly, there's some feeling of that. It reminds me of the old Saturday night Saturday night's main event, where it's they're they're digging into the archives to show you some matches you haven't seen yet. It's the dark matches. It's stuff that doesn't get shown on TV. What a brilliant concept! It's taking all of the things you you do with your show, and it's like a hunter who hunts a deer and uses every part of the deer. Mm-hmm. Using every part of your show. Honestly, I I kind of got the vibe of uh, if you've watched some of the old Saturday Night Main events where uh, well you, they started AEW Dark with Shivani in front of a green screen, you know, talking about this match and then talking about this match and cutting directly to it. It made me think of the old shows for WWE where you'd have like Heenan walking through the production area to go put in a tape or something. Hell yeah! Or you'd have man. Macho Great Man reference. Savage. Uh, that it exactly reminded me of shit like that. I love it. And they put on a hell of a show for Dark. I mean, 
like I said, when Darby Allen and Shima just like immediately hook me to the point where I'm like, holy mm-hmm. fuck, why is this in the dark? Like, this is why it should be in the not. They opened their new series on YouTube well, is what I'm saying. Like, it's such a great match. I can't well, believe they what... put it on their dark match, but at the same time, you're like, of course you would, because it's going to show it off. Well, do you remember what the follow-up to that match was? Oh, um, refresh me. As soon as you say it, I'm going to know. I, I got to say, I'm, I'm, I'm validating myself for taking notes while I'm watching these now. Uh, was Lucha Brothers in the Hybrid 2 versus Private Party and Best Friends. Oh, yeah. You want to say talk about selling dark? You didn't have the Lucha Brothers on your first episode, other than a, a brief little stare-down thing. Those are two of the biggest names that you have, and your first segment you're actually showing a match of theirs is on dark, not on not on Dynamite. Also note they That's, weren't on the second episode either. Yep, they weren't on the second episode either at all. But they That's will be on the third episode show. for sure. Yes. But that is selling your show. Absolutely. That's brilliant. Well They said. follow that up with another uh, uh, Britt Baker and Allie versus B. Priestley and Penelope, Rowe, Penelope Ford. Um, and then Jurassic Express and SCU, which, hello, their tag team division is ridiculous. Jurassic Express is the bomb. I think they're they're definitely a, a shot to win the whole thing. Did you see uh, Marco's stunt on uh, Chris blah, blah, blahs? I don't believe I have. Yeah, Chris Chris Van Vliet interviewed him uh, right after the debut episode of Dynamite. Okay. Like they I'll were in the hotel out afterwards or whatever. It's a really good interview. Marco's stunt's really funny and has had some really crazy shit happen to him. Okay. Like getting carted at a Wendy's. All right. <laughs> I, I'll I'll leave it at that. I'll ha- okay. You've sold me. I have to go see that now. <laughs> okay, please do. Yeah, I love Chris Van Vliet, man. Those those episodes are good. And now, especially with him working with AEW, he'll have some of the the best talent to talk to and stuff. So that's really awesome. So uh, up against uh, Dynamite, what were your thoughts on NXT? I think NXT was paced a little bit strange. I think that. It still feels like two separate shows in the two hours, yeah. even though it's one show. Yeah. Does that make think, sense? Yeah, it does. I think that, honestly, I think they're still kind of finding their footing as going from one hour to two. Oh, yeah, I know. Because, um, you, you, I mean, now you've doubled the length of your right. show that you've been doing the consistently the same way for, like, what, five years now, six years? Right. Um. I think they're still finding their footing a little bit with that. I will say, I think overall, uh, with the private party matches side, I think NXT had the better matches this week. But I think NXT, or, but I think uh, Dynamite was the better show. If that makes sense. Because Dynamite had better overall storyline driving yeah, stuff, I think while the, the, NXT the whole had show, just solid matches. Yeah. I think as taken as a whole, I think Dynamite was a better show, but I think individual match-wise, I think the Private Party and Young Bucks match was still fantastic. But I totally. think there was a there was a lot more solid matches on NXT. Um, just alone, just without naming through, without running through the entire card, Leo Rush, Drew Gulak, uh, Roderick Strong, and Swerve. That which, was awesome. Shout out to Swerve for actually one of my guys I told you to watch coming up with a big spot on NXT. You nailed it, man. 
um, Kushida and Walter had a hell of a match. I, you know what? I actually watched that yesterday. I finally got to sit down. I had mm-hmm. saved that match as the last thing from NXT this week. I hadn't watched. I wanted to make sure I had literally, I need you to hear me when I say this, literally zero interruptions. I, I needed a moment in nice. time where I knew no one's nice. going to text Nate. No one's going to fuck with Nate. No one's going to call me. No one's going to ask me to do anything. I want to watch the whole match unfettered, unfiltered, and, and untouched. And it was so much fun to watch. They are two diametrically opposed uh, beings. Totally different size, shape. Absolutely. Oil and water, as it were. Walter actually is one of my favorite guys, period, to watch now. Just because he doesn't do anything fancy. He doesn't do anything like huge pop in the crowd outside of his chops, which are terrifying. But the dude is just violent with everything he does. A boot from him looks like a killer. That boot he gave Kushida that he like kicked him into the fucking corner mm-hmm. after he missed that uh, spot off the top rope. He like went to do a springboard and the right. top rope was slip slickery and he slipped. Do you remember that? And then and then just uh, Walter just boots him off the apron, booted Absolutely. him to fucking death, bro. <laughs> and like hell, he's finishing matches with a splash or with a power bomb or with a lariat, just basic as hell. But the dude is just terrifying. I love it, and. uh Honestly, real quick, one thing about NXT that I wanted to point out. Like I said, I keep notes on everything. That's how I come up with my top five matches. Sure. And there was there was one I, I, I made a point to single out, and I almost never do it. It was a squash match. I almost never would single out a squash match for something I would I would want to rewatch later. Okay. But Rhea Ripley just annihilating Aaliyah was a sight to see. Absolutely, and then cut the killer promo right? calling out Shayna. I love that. I love the possibility of those two feuding. But, like, the picking her up in that inverted clover leaf, literally picking her up off the ground with it, spinning her around, and then doing a, almost a power bomb of sorts with it was, was one of the wildest things I've ever seen. So absolutely. not not a match of the week or anything, but absolutely noteworthy. You go, what in the hell? Honorable mention for sure. Definitely, definitely. Um, actually, do you want me to go ahead and get into the top five because we've we've named off most of them already? Sure, man. Fucking do it. If we've already named a lot of them. Um, actually, I'll tell you what, real quick. I did want to uh, touch on something that I will be bringing up in the top five. Sure. Um, we mentioned how much uh, wealth of wrestling there is to take in, just with the main shows alone. Um, over the weekend, while I was at this wedding, I had a little time to kill, and I, God, didn't want to watch the rest of SmackDown. Um, so I went and I downloaded the uh, independentwrestling.tv app. And... Uh, something I've been meaning to do and I hadn't gotten around to, but it's like a $10 a month subscription, but they carry over a hundred different feds, different promotions, all of them on demand. And if you pay your 10 bucks a month, you can just watch whatever you want. Wow. It's like they beyond some, wrestling and stuff. Yep. That was the, the flagship of it's pretty much is beyond at this point, 
which if you're not familiar with is a small fed based out of I believe the northeast out of like uh out of like the New Jersey area. And a lot of guys have gotten their start there. actually. Yes it is. They do uh they don't cut much. Um but I uh had an opportunity they actually have a weekly show that they run on that app called uh Uncharted Territory. So I've seen a couple episodes of here and there of that. But I managed to, uh, I watched one of their pay-per-views, uh, which this past one was uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, was Saturday night. And a few, I mean, really good matches. And the reason I bring it up is if you are sick of the way that WWE is cookie-cutter at this point, or how cheesy they can be, or um, if you're intrigued by how AEW feeling different is kind of rekindling your interest in wrestling, I would yeah. absolutely encourage you to go and check out some of these like smaller feds and find people that you haven't seen before. Find, you know, these up-and-comers or people that you've seen with the AEW guys in the past and find new people to watch and new things because some of it will just suck you right in. And Beyond absolutely did that with me this weekend. Um, but so there's a couple instances from that top five that are in there. Uh, so getting to the top five, I had as my honorable mention was from the Beyond promo or the Beyond uh, event was uh, last week's guy to watch, Orange Cassidy versus. Yeah. Uh, have you heard of Warhorse? No. I need you to check Warhorse out because I don't know enough about him to call him somebody to watch now, but he is someone I have my eye on. I'm writing it down uh, in my notes guy, right now, uh, Warhorse. Warhorse is in all caps. The guy is a walking Judas Priest song. He is power metal, and I love it. Uh, the guy named Jake Parnell uh, kind of rebranded himself as this uh, very Ultimate Warrior-esque gimmick. Uh, very power Like, he headbanged through his entire introduction. It was well, wonderful. I mean, if he's in a match against my homie Orange Cassidy, you mm-hmm. know I'm going to check it out. And honestly, the reason the match is my honorable mention... Uh, it's actually noteworthy Orange Cassidy match because he is starts off. Uh, Cassidy starts off very energetic throughout it. Really? So, yeah, he doesn't play the gimmick too much in it. It's actually a very well-contested match. Um, the lead-up to it was that uh, Cassidy, up until I think a week or two ago, was the independent wrestling uh, TV champion. Yeah, for like a long-ass time. Yeah, quite a while. And uh, lost it recently to Warhorse. Or, oh, no, excuse shit. me, lost it, uh, wasn't able to compete, and then it had to be vacated, and Warhorse picked it up. Warhorse wanted to challenge him to make sure that he had actually felt like he won the title. And uh, Cassidy came out and said, I want my belt back. Like, he actually cared about something enough to. Um, Damn. And, again, great match. Honestly, the only reason it didn't make the top five, the only reason it was an honorable mention is that uh, the crowd was surprisingly quiet for it, and it kind of took me out of it a little bit. Oh, lame. Um, so, good match. Just the crowd kind of being weird for it. I'm not sure why, but uh, that was definitely my honorable mention. If there was a number six, it would have been a number six. Uh, number five, I do have that Nick Aldis and Tim Storm match from Power. Watching it as soon as we get out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the storyline going into that is that uh, Tim Storm... Uh, carried that belt uh, for NWA for a long time. Uh, the guy is actually in his 50s. Yeah, he's like 53 or something. Yeah, I do believe he's he's like a school teacher, built like a brick shit house, but um, 
has carried that for a long time and uh, lost it over the summer, I believe, to Aldis. And Aldis gave him another shot and said, if you lose, you're done challenging. And uh, Tim Storm says, you know, this this belt means more to me than my career does at this point. I can't feel right unless I have it, so I'm going to go for it. So you have a kind of the opposite of the young underdog against a crafty veteran. You have an older veteran playing that underdog role in that, you know, mm-hmm. back up against the wall against a younger kind of up-and-comer. So it's a it's a good match, a lot of drama. Like I said, all this I find to be a bit bland, but the match still sucked me in. So good, 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 good match. Um, number four, and I think I actually teased this one to you a little bit. This one's a little bit out there. Uh, this is from beyond. And when I mentioned, you know, having uh, guys that you're not familiar with, this was, they called it the Backyard Wrestling Summit. It was a six-man scramble match. Okay. And honestly, of the six that were in it, I'd only even seen one of them once. Everyone else is completely brand new to me. It was uh, Tony Deppen, Alex Zane, Daniel Makabe, uh, Eric Corvus, uh, Steve West, and uh, I'm going to have to get through this without laughing. A guy went by the name of Johnny Cockstrong. <laughs> and they absolutely played to the gimmick. Um, I believe when they introduced him, and I, I know this isn't exactly a G-rated show, but they build him as weighing in at something like 4,000 pounds of flaccid cock meat. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, his finisher was the go to cock. <laughs> of course. I. It was, for him alone, the price of admission is worth watching there. But the match itself was wild. They had uh, there was great grappling. They had submissions. They managed to hook like four different people into submissions at once a couple of times. You saw shooting star knee drops. There was all kinds of crazy shit. I'm fairly sure Cockstrong stuck somebody's head in his trunks at one point. Oh. It's uh, almost before as bad delivering as Joey Ryan putting the sucker in people's mouths after it's been on his dick. If I remember correctly, he put the dude's he like he stuck the dude's head in his pants and then gave him a pile driver. Like oh. it was just this it, I, again. I watched this on the trip back from St. Louis. Like I'm in the back of a, of a uh, the back seat of a pickup, watching this and just blown away by what the fuck is going on. What am I so, watching? Not something that would ever be on the radar but god worth a watch okay um number three i had roger strong and shane or uh, isaiah swerve scott um they put on just a great tv match uh great chemistry swerve has very unique offense roger strong you can always count on doing backbreaker spots and making that a theme throughout the night or throughout the match hell of a show and they ended up with uh, Undisputed Era having their their effect on a match, and really gave it uh, gave Swerve a lot of rub through it. Even though we lost, came out looking very strong. Oh, absolutely! And mm-hmm. then uh, to play into, I mean, at some point are we going to get the Dream Swerve team up because Dream comes out. I and hope so. Cuts his own little promo there. 
we got a naked Rod- Roderick Strong picture that yeah. they showed. Yeah, you had which, the, uh, the Roderick Strong doing the uh, the Shawn Michaels Playgirl spread. Yeah. I, I don't know if my brain can handle getting into that, honestly. No, you um, don't have to. Quick fact about you mentioned w, uh, about Velveteen Dream teaming up. Do you know who, uh, when he did a brief stint in the Independence, uh, Velveteen Dream actually had a brief run in the Indies. Do you remember? Do you know who his tag team partner was? Who? Who? Tell me. Tell me. Theo Rush. Oh, that's interesting and awesome all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um. So number two, I uh, have the Kushida Walter match. For every and reason we mentioned. Yes, I think we've already hit on that pretty well. Uh, and the only reason that was number two is because there was not a damn thing that was going to touch that Young Bucks private party match. That was unbelievable to start off Dynamite. Masterpiece. Um, that was a masterpiece absolute, of a match. Absolute star-making performance by both guys. Uh, you had, uh, I'm still kind of learning their names. I'm Mark Quinn. Uh getting a hot tag of all hot tags and doing, I think, four different dives to four different sides of the ring. Um, and the other, Isaiah Cassidy, uh, taking a power bomb to the to the uh, ramp and selling the shit out of it. He was just gone for like a yeah. quarter of the match. Uh, but just an absolute awesome 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 match well worth checking out they got they um, got me on how their how how many near falls they had and how mm-hmm. they set the near falls up mhm the underdog spots were perfect the crowd was 1000% bought in so i mean just all around absolute classic match and um not only is it wonderful to see you know private party getting the rub and moving forward and seeing that the Young Bucks are in a good story position with losing the match. But, like I said, absolute star-making performance for Private Party. You may not know who they were before the match started, but you absolutely know who they are when it ended. And you can't give a match higher praise than that. Absolutely, 100%. I think so, that, yeah, that they definitely, definitely deserve one. to be at the top of your list this week. Absolutely. Um. And you know, you know, I talked. We're not going to do the uh, the wrestler to watch this week since we already hit that with Orange Cassidy this week. So I think I'll leave that for our next episode. Sure, sure, sounds good. Um, Only other. Uh, I will say I the, saw yeah. a, a shocking thing that I don't know if you know about this guy, but uh, I'm absolutely blown away by this superhuman. Oh, oh yeah, like the, uh, yeah. I know him. I'm I'm kind of of two minds on him. Like, for those of you who haven't followed him, Superhuman is a... Basically, I don't know if you call him a YouTuber. If you want yeah, to call he's him a like Facebook a, guy. He's actually, technically speaking, a professional stunts guy. Yeah. He is a very odd-looking... I, I honestly, the first time I saw him, I thought he was like 17. Um, He's trying to transition from stunt stunt work to pro wrestling. I think he's actually done some wrestling stuff now. Well, like, yeah, he had a done... match this weekend, a six-man yeah. match involving Joey Ryan, where he hit Joey Ryan with the stunner and won the match. Uh, the, only, the only thing I dislike, I shouldn't say dislike, but I I have issues with him in the sense that he reminds me of Steve-O from Jackass. Okay. In that he does these, these 
all of his videos, his claim to fame is doing wrestling spots for real or just like taking all these insane bumps and it's played off as humorous. And I mean, it's funny to watch. It's funny to watch somebody hurting themselves, but I get this vibe from like watching Steve-O in his later years where he's just intentionally hurting himself to try to prolong his 15 minutes. And uh, actually I was talking to uh, Tyler about him not too long back and like I feel like somebody in in ten years is gonna go, hey, whatever happened to that superhuman guy? And then somebody's go, oh yeah, he's dead. Like well, I, he did. I mean, honestly, I thought you were gonna say the thing you didn't like about him was how he says this one goes on to all the juggalos and juggalettes. <laughs> um, I I completely take relief that honestly. Um, there is a very, I mean, juggalo wrestling is a thing. I mean, oh, they yeah. do have a, a, a very, very uh, devout wrestling following, but I just, I just I have a hard time watching his, this guy's videos because it feels kind of like, or maybe not even like a Steve Ob or a Tom Green, just somebody who's doing these horrible things to themselves because they want people to like them, not because of what they love what they're doing, but I feel like it's just like to gain. Popularity. If I jump off this car, will people like me? If I if I hurt myself more, will people like me again? And I yeah. just feel like he's gonna do something to try to keep that fifteen minutes going, and it's gonna go very poorly. Man, I agree. Uh, so I think Su- Superhuman's an interesting person because he does take some pretty gnarly bumps. He does have some people in the wrestling world that support him. Like he did a spot with Joey Janela where they yeah. both like uh, elbow drops, fucking VCRs. I'm like. If you notice that though, Janela takes the safe bump on that though. Oh, totally. He waited to jump. <laughs> yeah, he does the safe bump, whereas Superhuman just fucking hams himself on there. Man, oh. So like, like I, I really, I think the videos themselves are funny, and I want to like them, guy. I want to, I want to think, man, this shit's funny. It's viral. It's whatever. But I just, I can't shake this feeling that something bad's going to come of that. It probably will. You're probably right. Yeah. But. uh do you think we have anything that tops Darby's uh, coffin drop? By the way, I, I wanted to mention that before we got out of here. Um, the only thing I watched—I uh, mentioned it earlier, on the last recording that I had watched uh, uh, Ring of Honor's Death Before Dishonor uh, last weekend, and the there was a spot, and I don't usually get into the death matches as much, but there was a death match style between uh, the Bouncers, which is Beer City Bruiser, and I cannot remember the name of his tag team partner. Brian and, Malone, uh, Silas, I'm friends with him on Facebook. With uh, Beer City Bruiser? Yeah. Um, well, he was the guy, I'm pretty sure he was the guy that was the recipient of this spot. Oh, shit. Uh, he got handcuffed to the turnbuckle, like uh, kind of in a uh, Bronco Buster position where he's you know, facing outward towards the crowd. And he's handcuffed to the turnbuckle, so he's not moving with his back pointed out to the ring. And the other team was uh, Silas Young and uh, Vinny Marseglia. And Marseglia straight up pulls out a set of throwing darts. Oh, no. Like needle-fletched fucking throwing darts. And just starts chucking them at him. And go hits him in the back with like three of them. I have never, never seen that before in a wrestling ring or God anywhere. And in the back of my mind, I'm going, those aren't moving. Those are not gimmick. Those are stuck in his fucking back. Like, okay, I, 
I'll gimmick a, the barrel. Yeah, Darby with the barrel was a fucking nasty spot. The I thought, well, maybe Chris Jericho, get, uh, not Jericho, uh, Omega getting DDT'd through the table. That's probably fake glass. They're not faking these darts. No. And yeah. those are like... this spot? Well, I've got real darts. Oh. I, sw- I, it, I haven't tried to look the spot up to see if it's on YouTube or anything else since then, so I'm almost afraid to. But if you get a chance to watch Death Before Dishonor, that match comes up. Watch the TV because you cannot look away from it. You'll want to. It 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 was disgusting in its own way. And if you're not a fan of needles, if you're like me and you don't like needles that much, not a good thing. Uh, run away! But, oh my god. So I don't. I would call that a holy shit moment. I don't know if that's something. If that would top Darby, since it's not really a spot necessarily, but definitely a holy shit moment for me. Okay. Well, how about this? <clears throat> We're going to take a uh, pause on that decision just because I haven't seen it. Once I see it, we'll make a vote on it official. If I could find it, I'll get it to you. Awesome. Sounds great. Sounds great. Well, before we get out of here, folks, as always, want to make sure you know where you can check out the Journey into Wrestling podcast right here on the Journey into Comics Network, journeyintocomics.com. Get us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, Spotify, CastBox, TuneIn, and many others. Just search Journey into Comics Network. Also, Go to patreon.com backslash journey into comics. Give us a dollar. We'll give you a holler. And I think that's going to do it for this week. Buckles, did you have anything else before we get out of here? No, I think we hit on everything tonight. Hell yes, my friend. All right, I'm gonna, folks. I'm well, going to go off and I'm going to go burn down a kid set. So, Oh, Jesus. <laughs> a kid show set. <laughs> Tomorrow morning, there's actually like some sort of crazy tragedy, and there was a kid show set that did actually get burned down. And then they point and blame you because you said oh. it here, and I'm like, "Oh no!" <laughs> Holy shit! Oh, that's yeah, not well, good. yeah, that's all I got. All right, guys. Well, for this week's episode of Journey into Wrestling, season four, episode two, a hot tag to myself. I've been Nate. I've been Buckles. And we will see you guys next time. Later.